Okay, class, everybody gather around. Now I've told you what your assignment was. You had to get a piece of influential literature to read among everybody. Uh, now, just a couple of rules just so that everyone's reminding so that strong language and situations that are not suitable for all readers are in this so that reader's discretion is advised. You may hear things like cursing, sexual intercourse stuff, you know, all the nasty stuff that's in classic literature. And reminders that spoilers for all classics, such as Oh Maidens and Your Savage Season, may occur so that you may want to read or watch that and then come back and listen to our thoughts on the dub. And a reminder that here in class, the views of everybody reflect that of the individual and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. All right, so ground rules are set, kids. Are we ready? All right, let me pick a kid. All right, you, you over there go first. Oh boy, I've been waiting for this. So my classic is by Shakespeare Hemingway, guys. It starts like this. Garfield was having some relaxing time with scotch and lasagna when Jarn Arbuckle came in with emergency news. Garfield, it's terrible. I have bad news, John Arbuckle said with crying words. Stop your stop stories and give me your thoughts, Garfield said with serious demands. It's terrible, Garfield. Kate Middleton and Prince William are getting married, but you're not invited, John Arbuckle said with outrage. This is lies, roared Garfield in an angry voice. It's true. Look and see, John Arbuckle showed Garfield a letter that came through the mailboxes. Dear Garfield, you are not invited to the royal wedding. Sincerely, the royal England family, said the letter with insults. Invite this, shouted Garfield as he tore up the letter with his manly hand. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we were asking for classic literature, not fan fiction. Eh, shut your mouth, this is a classic. Let us begin today's reading. I don't love you as if you were a rose or salt, topaz or arrows of carnations that propagate fire. I love you as one loves certain obscure things, secretly between the shadow and the soul. I love you as the plant that doesn't bloom but carries the light of those flowers hidden within itself. And thanks to your love, the tight aroma that arose from the earth lives dimly in my body. I love you without knowing how or when or from where. I love you directly without problems or pride. I love you like this because I don't know any other way to love except in this form in which I am not nor are you. So close that your hand upon my chest is mine so close that your eyes close with my dreams. An excerpt from Pablo Nerida. <clears throat> a wonderful piece indeed. When did this Gre become a dramatic reading? Greetings, my fellow literature aficionados. We are gathered here today to study the questions that plague our adolescence, that of love, of lust, and desire itself. So you're not we gonna answer my question. <laughs> We study the subtext and translate the text and share our love of good media to you, dear viewers. We are the Literature Dub Club. I am your club president, Andrew, a.k.a. Classy Spartan. 
Joining me today are my fellow members, Jet. Hello. Stephanie. You're still not answering my question. Yes, Stephanie. <laughs> this is a traumatic <laughs> reading. <laughs> you're, thank you. I wanted that answer because I'm very confused. And how come you're the president? <clears throat> because I'm the one who organizes the meetings. No, you're not. <laughs> Ah, fine. You could be our treasurer then. How's that? Fuck you, no. <laughs> also, say hi to Megan. I'm stealing your job for a second. This is Megan. My hi. My name is Ebony Darkness Dementia Ravenway, and I have long ebony black hair. That's how I got my name. With purple streaks and red tips that reaches my mid back and my icy blue eyes like limpid tears and a lot of people tell me that i look like amy lee uh, author's note if you don't know who she is get the hell out of here i'm not related to gerard way but i wish i was because he's a major fucking hottie i'm a vampire oh my, but my teeth are straight and white i have pale white skin i'm also a witch and i go to a magic school called hogwarts in england where i'm in my seventh year i'm 17 i'm a goth in case you couldn't tell and i wear mostly black I love Hot Topic, and I buy all my clothes from there. For example, I, today I was wearing a black corset with matching okay, face around the so black leather We are, we are not even, not Where the even fuck three did you minutes. Find this first of all, big mini skirt. I'm oh sorry. My God. Matching lace around. I was wearing black lipstick, white foundation, black eyeliner, red <laughs> eyeshadow, and I was walking outside Hogwarts. It was I'm snowing and raining, so there was right no sun, which I was very happy about. A lot what of people prep stared at me. I put my middle finger up at them. Hey, Ebony, shouted a voice. I looked up. It was Draco Malfoy. What's up, Draco? I asked. Nothing, he said shyly. But then I heard my friends call me, and I had to go away. An excerpt from Bloody Tears Ra uh, Raven, Bloody Tears 666. God, Jed, I think we came to this meeting unprepared. <laughs> shit, I think I actually, shit, I don't think I, I actually read the author's. I don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> you I was are reading live and it's amazing right now. <laughs> oh, I just felt if Andrew was going to bring a long thing to read too, I figured I'd class it up with my immortal. See, I was trying to go for a very serious love love poem reading, and then you come in here and toss my fucking mortal on the table. I'm so tired of being here. I'm pretty sure we have immediately established the tone for tonight's dub talk. Oh right no, if I was going to establish there. the tone, I was going to reply to Steph that the reasons Andrew's president is because he fucked his way to the top. <laughs> You're welcome. You insinuate with these accusations. Okay. Hey, and, Jet. And you are probably right. <laughs> Jet, I'm only sorry that I made you listen to an excerpt reading of My Immortal. The rest of you are not free from sin. <laughs> Look here. Oh, you act Look like here. I haven't I just read My Immortal. At I least I read the safe for work parts. At least I didn't look up the Hogwarts squid. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, but what? I, I, no? I just find it amusing. That's I, I, I'm just laughing. It's fine. you know what? Right I'm gonna ask my I, friend to send me I, one of the. You know what I should have read and I didn't read. What? I should have read Half Life Full Life Consequences. Um. Okay. Uh, being serious for a second. Uh, Andrew, what are we here to talk about? <laughs> I'm just sitting here for like six minutes. 
I think he's dead. I think I broke him. So we're here to Andrew, talk are about you okay? Stephanie? I got this. You sure? I'm sure. I then just need a second. Fucking do it, babe. Today, our next media analysis will be that from critically acclaimed writer Mari Okada alongside illustrator Nao Omoto and anime director Masahiro Ando. Today, we will discuss the English dub for O Maidens in your Savage Season. So, to begin with, here is the synopsis for this particular series. It started when the Literature Club's president, Rika, began reading some especially rude pro- ah, okay. I'm, try that I had again. to burp. Let me try that again. It started when the Literature Club's president, Rika, began reading some especially lurid prose out loud to the other girls. But the major turning point was when the term bucket list was discussed and Nina stated that having sex was at the top of hers. From there, well, they were a group of young women swimming in the sea of hormones of a mother high school. How could they not find their brains pre preoccupied with sex? A whole new chapter is about to begin in the lives of five young women as they venture past the printed page and into the real world in O Maidens in your Savage Season. Uh, that synopsis courtesy of the Blu-ray Curtis coming from Sentai Filmworks on my birthday. Okay, actually the day before my birthday, which I find very funny. Are you strongly hinting you want that for your birthday? I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. That's a yes. Anyways. Wait, I thought so Steph was just going to give you a steak and a BJ for your birthday. <laughs> God. <laughs> if you're wondering why it's the four of us tonight <laughs> talking there about this show. There's a story behind that, actually. I'm going to tell the short version because you're going to make it a long one. And I know you are. The story, the involves, the story involves banshee shrieking. The story is the four of us were at Anime NYC in no last November and we went to the Sentai panel where it was announced that the dub for this was legit going to be streaming like a month afterwards. So we kind of made a pact that this is the New York, New York group was going to do this episode. So, yeah. That was the short version for sure. This had been a dub that I and many others, I had been watching the simulcast for this. I was a huge, huge fan of watching this weekly. It was hard and engaging, but I was enthralled. I had been asking for them for several weeks. Please, please make sure to give O Maidens a English dub. It would be amazing. And I was so, so stoked to be there in person when they announced that it was happening. I actually kind of shouted and shrieked. Mind I think you, we, we also, uh, mind you, we were also here there for the announcement for a dub of Run with the Wind, and then Jet proceeded to freak out. Jet, Jet, Jet. Megan also proceeded to freak out about that, which topical. The dubcast of that was announced at the time of this recording today. Episode coming soon, in the near future, at least. Yeah, uh, right, Jet. Whatever, uh, whatever I get, whatever I get my hands on that limited edition set. It's gonna be very nice. Jet, when the hell was your birthday? Uh, August this is 18th. August. Oh, that's right. I can just buy it for you as an early birthday present. I I mean, I may or may not have already pre-ordered that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Same here, fam. Good stuff. Anyway. But yes. Yes. 
We're here because we were all there to witness me shrieking the fuck out at a Sentai panel where they announced this dub happening. My favorite part about that panel was when I talked to them later, they literally were like, we could not emote towards us because we were in the dead center of the room. We were we were that we were the hecklers in the crowd, and I think we were straight up being like, "Run!" We were we said, "Run with the wind and oh maidens dubs, please." And guess what they announced for both? Yeah, like I think Sentai won <laughs> Anime NYC with that. That was a that was a good time. I'm very I think, happy to get I to think talk Jet, about this. Jet and, Jet and Steph had to miss it the next day, but when we went to the Funimation panel and they talked about ensemble stars, I was the only person in the room who cheered. Anyways. So yeah. We got shit to do tonight. We got shit to do, and I'm very... There's a lot of subtext to to sink our teeth into. Stop skirting around it, then, and get into it. Oh my god. <laughs> Look, Stephanie, Stephanie. Yes. Yes. Yes, love? Foreplay is an important part of the act. Uh, That's uh, all I'm gonna say. I mean, like, like, like okay, do I need to get the Buffy Python cloud in here? So, Get on with so it, the first, okay. So the first group we're going to talk about is our ADR Director Fighters. Just talk about it, babe. <laughs> me, and, me, and Je- me and Jet in the background are going to be the two fucking catty gays. Just like, okay. look at these straight assholes go. Okay, okay, seriously. seriously Jet, would, me- you like, would you like a, a alcoholic beverage of your choice or a soda? Okay. So starting us off, we're going to get into where any good dub starts with the ADR director and script writers of this production. Woo! This is a Sentai dubcast, but this was released in its entirety. And the people that are working on this dub, uh, starting us off with our script writers, it is... Uh, one, Holly Sagara and Kyle Kobe Jones. And our ADR directors are Christine Auten and Kyle Kobe Jones. So, you might know Kyle Kobe Jones for directing and writing such anime, such as Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto, Food Wars, Shokugeki no Soma, Haikyuu, Himoto Umaru-chan, and My Love Story. Christine Auten has directed such things as Best Student Council, Moonlight Mile, Pony Pony Dash, and Utaware Rumono. I don't know how you Utaware say Utaware Water Romano. Like, okay, the proper way you pronounce that is Underwater Ray Romano. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I've you never didn't heard know of that? that? I have made that joke before. Andrew, you didn't I'm, know this? <laughs> I never heard of Underwater Ray Romano. Are you fucking a- kidding me? <laughs> Can somebody That's please a- Photoshop Ray Romano underwater and just be like, and God put the title it. of the show. God damn it. I just remember that Underwater Ray Romano has like an actually pretty good opening. That's pretty fucking funny. And uh, Holly Sagara has written for such things as Haikyuu, Real Girl, Why the Hell Are You Here Teacher, Is It Wrong to Try and Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon Season yes! 2, and Domestic Girlfriend. Oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> topical. You, you can never it's escape ki- it. It's oh, kind of topical. Oh god, why? Why do you have to remind me of this shit? <laughs> well, it's gonna come up a few times tonight. Starting us off is our uh, literary uh, uh, literary friend Jet. Would you like care to start us off tonight? Uh, sure. 
Uh, Kyle Kobe Jones is uh, generally pretty consistent when it comes to ADR work these days, and uh, this dub uh, definitely follows that trend for the most part. Uh, this is a show that uh, generally called for a lot of very natural side performances, while, you know, also sorry some teen girls who can be a little too dramatic for their own good, and I feel like the casting uh, struck, a pretty good, struck a pretty good balance between making them sound believable while... You know, also making characters like Sodazaki and Hongo sound a little more exaggerated, but, you know, not to the point where they don't come off as real people. Uh, the performances can be a little tilted at times, but for the most part, all the acting here is pretty solid. And with the exception of one character, even the ones I didn't quite like at first, generally improved as the dub went along. And I was uh, mostly pretty happy with how everyone sounded. And uh, I also thought that Kyle, Christine, and Holly did a pretty good job with the script. And uh, they did a pretty good job in second to the side title translation while, you know, also throwing in a little extra swag to make the characters sound a little more like modern teenagers. I was actually a little surprised by just how much this one ended up going by the book, but uh, given a lot of the show's subject matter, I guess it was probably a pretty smart decision to uh, stay pretty faithful with this, and I don't have any real complaints about how they handled things. Uh, not totally perfect on the ADR front, but there was definitely a lot more that I liked about this dub than dislike, so... Yeah, on the whole, I give this thumbs up. All in all, pretty satisfied? Yeah. Good to hear. Stephanie, I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are. Is that because this is the first time I've ever even seen this show? Okay, uh, Jet and myself, we had previously watched the uh, Japanese simulcast that we were familiar with, but... You and Megan, this is your first time viewing the show, and both of you had some very interesting reactions if to it. If we really want to get into the technical nitty-gritty, this isn't the first time I've seen this show. Oh, <laughs> you're right! You have shown us the first episode You did before. show us the first episode. <laughs> so I, 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 correction, I think it was Megan who showed everyone the first episode. No, it was Andrew. It was Andrew. It was me. I was the one that I was the one that brought up the idea. I think Megan was in support of it. Steph was in confused. I All was right, very sure. confused. Yeah, 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 yeah cuz yeah, uh, I say that because I just remember Megan tried to drag in Gigi specifically and that was pretty funny. <laughs> so. No, Andrew did that. Andrew did that. It was all Andrew. Andrew really wanted us to watch the first episode cuz he's like, "We got to show the Maidens." And then I think this No, was... I was I wasn't trying to show you Maidens. I was making trying to make you all watch Mada Sushi. No, and then I think it was later that day, we jokingly said, Hey, Jet, you want to sit down and watch Italia? And he tried to run and escape. He Jet tried, tried to, to run. That Jet was funny. tried to fucking eat himself out the door and I tackled him. It was it was a big, real mood, which I respect. <laughs> I was just sitting on the bed just laughing. Anyway, uh, <coughs> so when I watched that first, when you made me watch that first episode, Andrew... Uh, while we were mm-hmm. at AFS, I was very confused. <laughs> I was extremely confused as to what was going on. Just like, are all these girls just horny, thirsty bitches? Like, what is this? But, um... Yes, but that's beside the point. That's, that's, beside, that's beside the point. <laughs> um, but then, um, going through this watch and fully watching the show for the first time, which I actually watched at least, um, three at least two-thirds of the show with, or three-quarters of the show, excuse me, with um, Andrew, actually, with me. Um, we didn't get to finish watching the show together um, before today. So, <laughs> thankfully, I was 
so long as I knew what I was expecting with episode one, I could digest it a bit easier the second time around. But um, you, you, you knew what you were actually expecting this time tonally. Yes. <laughs> Because I did not expect that tone in the first episode. I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway. And as a side note, too, when we were at the Anime NYC panel when Omanians came up, it was previously announced at that same time that Kyle Copa Jones was directing this. Um, no no other names were tossed around. No casting. No, no nothing. Um, so right off the bat, I think all four of us had the consensus that it was in good hands. Because... Oh, yeah. We actually literally talked to him right after that. We did. We li- yeah, oh, we yeah, were like, oh, yeah, dude. Kyle, Kyle Kobe Jones was a guest at that convention, and we I literally went up to him and was like, Oh my god, you're working on Obedience, I can't wait. Yeah, you've le- you legit geeked out in front of Kyle Kobe Jones, babe. I had we to call your ass down. We geeked out in, a, in front of somebody else, too, who's in this show, so. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> that we did we'll not find out, obviously, until later. Anyway. Um, sure. So, um, going into this... I'm pretty sure the consensus for all four of us was that we knew it was in good hands because Kyle is a very solid director on the Houston Sentai front. Um, and it definitely, like, I definitely didn't have a crap t- I didn't really have a ton of issues with it. Um, it is m- mostly solid. Uh, I will agree with Jet that there were a few moments where it was stilted um, in terms of some of the performances. And there's one performance in particular that... I will admit, I was not okay with that first, and then I really had to suspend my disbelief a little bit to kind of think it's okay. <laughs> um, so it did take a bit for me to, like, kind of get into it a bit more, and it just turned out okay, but it took a lot of suspension of my disbelief to be okay with it. Um, but otherwise than that, the writing is solid, <laughs> Except I do, while I while while I do agree with Jet that some of the slang worked, that the slang worked for some of the characters. I have to say that sometimes it was very off-putting to me. Um, particularly the the dude bro guys with um, fuck's his name? Ah, um, Sugimoto. Uh, Sugimoto oh, yeah. at the school festival. Yeah, uh, yeah. I felt like it worked for them specifically, but I was kind of like the words of it. I felt like it worked for them no, because no, no. they were No, I agree with that, okay. but it was still, like, to me, it was off-putting. I'm like, what in the fuck is happening right now? It's very they, much, it, it works, but it's also just kind of a little jarring. Yeah, with the rest in, of the it, show. It's a little bit jarring with the rest of the tone of the show, in all honesty. It's a little jarring to hear a sequence of characters talking like, and I quote, cringy-ass white boys. <laughs> It was a bit jarring. They um, they, they sound like show. they just walked out of playing a game of Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's. Accurate. I'm going that's to fair. save that joke. I'm gonna. That's accurate. That's fair. They um, they look like they listen to Ninja for their gaming advice. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. God, I anyway. hate that. <laughs> I gotta bring this train back around. <laughs> the hell train has no brakes, though. <laughs> I know it doesn't. We're all going to hell. It's fine. Um, but I th- I think the biggest thing with this show, and I'm glad that the directing directing and the writing on it kept this. This is a coming-of-age story in so many respects. And the fact that they were able to keep those bits and pieces of, like, hormonal 
hormones and like sexual desire and things like like repression and things like that even a little bit of like female sexuality considering one of the characters we figure out later is possibly in love with one of her female classmates like it explores various avenues of um a teenager's coming of age um and what their desires and their experiences are going to be and what they want what their idea of love is um in the process so i think in that respect the directing and the writing did very very well to emulate that um but yeah, like I love the casting, save for maybe like a couple of moments where things were stilted. Um, the writing is great aside from the, while I understood the choice, very <laughs> jarring moments. Um, and I, overall, it's just a very solid dub. Mm. Oh boy, Megan, the floor is yours, Miss Ebony. <laughs> John Freeman, who was Gordon Freeman's brother, was one. No, <laughs> no, I'm taking that paper right now. I'm putting. The, I'm gonna burn that paper. He right said speak. that the aliens and monsters were attacking his place and asked him for help, oh so he went. God. Okay. In all seriousness, <laughs> Megan, um, why? I like. I love bad fan fiction, and I just wanted to. Tr I I knew I had to pull that joke again sometime, so I figured I'd do it now to get it out of my system. Good idea. Good job. That's fair. Just like head crabs. Um, <laughs> anyway. Whew! So, before I get into the writing and um, uh, directing on this, I think that one of the things that really helped O'Maidens is that I feel like it had a really good translation to begin with. Mm. Uh, and for that, we have to thank uh, Katarina... Uh, I'm gonna butcher your last name. Uh, Leonite... Leonakis, Katarina Leonakis, who has done other translations for things such as uh, the Udapri movie, and she's currently doing Gal and Dino, if you watch that on Funimation. Um, nice. So I think she did a really good job, and I think that Holly and Christine, uh, sorry, Kyle and Christine adapted the writing really well. When this show has to be really funny, the dialogue is really funny, when it has to be really heartfelt, it has to be really heartfelt. Um, the show walks a line of uncomfortable uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. There are very much parts of the show that are absolutely uncomfortable and they are not meant to, they are both meant to titillate and make you stand back and feel bad about it. Um, we want to talk about uncomfortable. Segus in a nutshell, man. Yeah, pretty much. We'll get to that. Oh, we're getting there. Um, and one of the things I, I do want to point out is that I, this show does actually th throw around the term pedophile. Yes. Um, which is 100% accurate to the translation. Please go fuck yourselves if you think that Segusa is anything but a pedophile. Um, it's uh. okay. He's a, lo he's a lollycon. Go piss off. Um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I really do agree that that's topical because that came out at the same time as another translation. People got busy, man. Yeah, Look. Well, yeah. That's that's for another episode, but whatever. Um I think the I think the I think the thing with the slang is something to bring up because there are so many people who I think would absolutely rip this dub apart for it because oh that's not how Japanese teenagers talk, but it is how teenagers talk and this is mm -hmm. a show that has a lot of aspects of teenagerdom that other shows try to keep very sanitary. 
Like, they're slut-shaming. There is, um... People, like, teenagers frankly talking about sex. There are really uncomfortable moments of a student coming on to a teacher. Yep. There is description of genitalia. There is just really uncomfortable flowery language. And I think that it's handled well. And for the most part, I think the direction handles this all well, really, too. I think a lot of the casting was really well put together. There's one performance that just doesn't really ever work out for me personally. Um, and there are two other performances where there are a couple other performances where there's stiltier moments, but they may have grown into the series by the end. And literally by the last episode, I was screaming. That's you guys. Uh, everyone here has seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, correct? No. What? Staff, I'm afraid. Staff, friends anymore. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> Andrew, Aww. you're giving her your net. You're giving her. Do you have a Netflix <laughs> login, Andrew? I, 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 I have a Netflix. Guess what? You're watching on Netflix. That's a, that's a, okay, okay, you know what, Steph? I first will of all, first okay, of all, okay, I have Steph. montages to fucking do. Thank like, you like, okay, Steph, Steph, I will what? literally, I will literally ship you the Blu-ray box. <laughs> ship me the Blu-ray box. If you own it, you can drive to my house. <laughs> you forget that she, she I is live in, in Jersey, distance, Jet. <laughs> You're in driving distance of me now. Or we can buy her a blue box Okay, look, I want to respect social distancing. Fair enough. Fair, but you don't have to pay money to ship a box. Just just go over there in a full hazmat suit, break down the door, be like, Hey, girl, I heard you haven't seen Avatar. Just chuck at her. watch Avatar. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's... I could just buy it for Steph. Oh god! Uh, no, 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 like, uh, like actually, why I said ship a box actually didn't mean I was just going to buy you the box and send it to you. Oh okay. Hey, there we go. Problem solved. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, y'all fucking nerds chipped in to buy me a switch. Stop. Anyway, <laughs> you know the part of you know the part in Avatar: The Last Airbender for those of you who've seen it, where Zuko's reading and he goes, "That's it. Wait, that's it." And he keeps pulling the scroll out to try that to can't find be more. It. That can't yeah. be it. That's literally me by the end of the show. Um, <laughs> I was like, I want more of my kids. Uh, uh, so I think, and one of the things is that the dub made it really, really easy for me to get into this. Like, mm-hmm. I I probably would have watched the show airing better if I would have had something better to watch this on than, like, because I didn't have a Roku last year. Because I prefer to watch a lot of my anime on TV, except for yesterday where I watched this all off my cell well, phone. Well, also <laughs> off at the same time when this show originally had come up, High Dive wasn't available on Roku yet, so... That's true! So I had to watch this all on my phone, and I was mm-hmm. traveling a lot when this was airing, so... Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, Dub does a really great job. Like, I, I think there's a couple of standout performances that are really kind of in my heart for towards the end of the year, but we'll have to see, so... Mm-hmm. The floor is yours, John Freeman. <laughs> Alrighty. Fuck. So... This has been a show I've really was a, I was a huge fan of this when I was watching this no, in really? the in the summer of 2019 and I could say for no wait it wasn't summer it was spring I need to get that right it, it was last year it was last year that I was watching it and I was a big fan of it and it was I'm a big big mark for many of Mario Kata's uh, dramatic works. But there's also a thing that that's really interesting about her stuff is it's very human and delves into a lot of stuff where it's like, okay, I would not see a lot of things just casually talking about the things they talk in this. Like, if I had to describe what O Maidens kind of reminds me of, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, what if Mario Kata wrote, please tell me Galco-chan? 
I don't know what that is. Galco-chan is basically, it's like a short comedy series, mm -hmm. which is basically about, about a bunch of female characters talking about a lot of things in, an, like, a lot of things in anime and manga you really wouldn't get to talk about, like menstrual cramps and, like, period pains. And it's like, what if one nipple is bigger than the other nipple or something like that? Where and is all that? What the it's... fuck kind of shit are you into? <laughs> Uh, it is a okay. I know you're watching the video. I'm trying to find that one video that like she has. I I know exactly what you're. I know exactly which video you're talking about for best guy ever. But thank you. I'm sending it to staff. Basically, it is a series that is like kind of a raunchy comedy that is much more earnest and open about a lot of like subjects that like most media would shy away from okay. and does it with a level of tact sincerity and kind of maturity that really surprised the hell out of me while also still being really funny and hilarious okay and and that's kind of what obedience reminds me in some regards because there's times where it is laugh out loud funny where it'll do some very absurd things where they're trying to ponder about sexual relationships and like the basically anytime Sonazaki at the start of the show is like oh god boys <sighs> it's they just are like, such heathens yeah, okay okay yeah basically this show feels like the answer to what to whatever someone says that Mario Kart stuff is always too over dramatic. <laughs> this is like a goofy show at times too like it makes you really laugh but it's also like pretty earnest and open about a lot of characters different it'll struggles. also make you nearly cry mm -hmm. it'll make you cry it'll make you very uncomfortable it'll also explore many different sides of it it'll explore a childhood crush it'll explore insecurities about your body damage it'll explore child grooming it'll explore a lot of things it does a lot of things. It's really an interesting stuff. And I was ultimately pretty impressed with what Kyle, Christine, and Holly worked with in regards to the dub. I think it's not a perfect product by any means. It's a little it's a little rough around the edges, but those the roughness is kind of charming at times too. And That's what you she see said. You oh, know what? Damn it. <laughs> You know what? Let's let's lead into that. Let's lean into that, shall we? Sometimes at the start, the dub was a little bit rough and a little bit inexperienced at times. But as it kept going for the climax, it got much more comfortable. It got much looser. It got much more experienced. All for a very satisfying afterglow. Andrew, <sighs> I think why? I'm done. Andrew, why? Okay. Anyways, look. You know what? You know what that earned from. You know what that earned from Andrew. What? You know what I, I I decided to pop over while we're recording to look at something on right stuff. Hmm. It'd be a real shame if Andrew said something that might or may not may or may not accidentally cause Megan to buy him a copy of Handshakers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got I got nothing left to lose anymore at this point. Right, Shit right, sucks. Right. Okay, okay, Megan, can you add divide gate to that card? Oh my <laughs> Look, if you're offering, you're offering. I ain't complaining. What I'm saying is... Should I get him a copy a, of Kumamiko? Okay, look. Legitimately, this is a dub. It's not perfect. But it does have a lot of heart and some performances that really impress the hell out of me. Some scripting and line deliveries that really shock the hell out of me. And honestly, 
there's a couple of people who started out rough or who I thought were kind of not so great actors at the start of this that really, really, really raised my opinion of them by the end of the show. It's a very, like, imperfect product, but for the most part, I enjoyed my time with this. I'm very glad with the work that was delivered, and I really think this is a dub that is worth checking out and watching on your own free time when you get the chance. And with that, I think it's time to get into our first group of characters. Uh, we are going to be talking about a select batch of various ensemble players throughout the show. We are going to be talking about Emi Tomita, Sonoe Jujo, Satoshi Tsuchi Sugimoto, and Hisashi Saigusa. Emi Tomita! Uh, Emi Tomita, or Tomita-sensei, she is a, a third grade Maru Japanese teacher. She, okay, she's a third year, not third grade. She's a third year teacher. I was about to say, if at, this was third graders, it'd be extremely uncomfortable. It would be a very different yeah, show entirely. Different no, show. but she is a, th she's a third year teacher for the high school alongside, uh, the, where they are at. She's a colleague of, uh, Yamagishi, and Yamagishi may or may not have a thing for her and want to give her his great big mushroom. God uh, damn it. Uh, Jujo is a Garu girl who basically kind of starts out as sort of like assuming like, oh, she's just a girl who fools around before kind of starting to reach out to Sonazaki, starting to befriend her and having a kind of sweet relationship with her before she has to drop out of school for certain reasons. Uh, Satoshi Sugimoto is a fuck boy. A fuck boy. Jinx! Damn it. Fucking Jinx. Jinx. Yeah, no. There's no way to describe it. Jinx, I owe you a copy of Handshakers. God damn it. Anyways, Sugimoto, you think he's kind of cool, and then you find out he's kind of lame. And then you find out he's really lame. And then you find out he's kind of an asshole, too. And then you find out that he's going to die alone. Yeah. He's at least not getting some from good old Momokins. Um, and then there's Saikusa, who... Oh, um, there's uh, no way to shoot... Uh, yeah, there is... There's no way to sugarcoat it. Uh, Saigusa, he is a... He is a... He is a pedophile. Yeah. He is a pedophile. He is a sexual predator. He is a child groomer and abuser. And he is also a... He is a, like, what is he? A, he's a he's an acting director? He's an yeah. acting coach. He's an acting okay. coach. For acting a coach. kid, a children's acting troupe. A children's acting troupe, what makes it even worse. Yeah. Uh, Tomita is played by Shelby Blocker. Jujo is played by Alicia Beard. Uh, Sugimoto is played by Loraldo Anzaldua. And uh, Saigusa is played by Wesley Whiston. Uh, Shelby Blocker has played such characters as Hitomi Minagawa from Camphor. Oh god, how do you say this name? Lisa Lati Sherlock from Trinity Slevit. Trinity Slevit. Trinity Seven! Uh, Keika from Hakume Mikochi, Alexandrite from Land of the Lustrous, and Aina Tuli from Danmachi. Uh, Alicia oh, Beard has played. She's the one that freaks out about the moon. Uh, she is the one, she's the one at the banker who's, like, the little elf girl with glasses that has a thing for him. No, no, Land I'm saying, Lustrous. Uh, she's the fucking, oh. she's the moon crazy one. Yeah, she's the moon crazy one. Uh, I can't remember where Alicia, the moon crazy one is. It's been a hot uh, 
Alicia Beard has played such characters as Marilla from Princess Principal, Sonia from Assassin's Pride, and Cassandra Ilian from Don Machi Season 2. Uh, Loraldo has played such characters as Toru Akira from Cheka the Coffin Princess, Yuta Togashi from Love Chunibyu and Other Delusions, Ryo Kurokuba from Food Wars, Misogi Kumagawa from Madaka Box, and my boy, Kei Tsukushima from Haikyuu, and Wesley Whiston has uh, no credits attached to his name. As far as we know of. As far as we know of. Jet, the floor is yours. Okay, I will be uh, pretty quick with both of these. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Shelby. Um, uh, her character, uh, Tomita, was uh, just kind of in the background for a lot of the show. Um, uh, I thought Shelby sounded fine, but uh, it didn't really leave much of an impression. Uh, I was, I'm, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little weirded out by. by uh, her and Milo Sensei actually getting together in the end, but I will have more thoughts about that when we actually get talk about Milo Sensei later. Um, what's uh, Loraldo? <laughs> Loraldo is a dude, bro. Um, he um, sure was. Like, uh, he sure was a jerk. I. I do like I do appreciate that the show does kind of blur you between sort of false sense of security. Because I really he, like that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because of, because when he first made a PC, he, he, he seems like a pretty well intentioned guy. He doesn't seem like he wants to do like anything too bad to Momo. Like, like he's got like, a backstory like, like, yeah, and everything. Yeah, he, yeah, he the whole sympathetic childhood friend sob story, and then it's just like the more you see this guy, the more it's just kind of like no. Go away. <laughs> like at first, at first he doesn't suck, but then it's just like, oh, you're, oh, you're so lame. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, definitely, he's definitely doing uh, quite a bit of projecting, which is a uh, very, very insufferable. And I say this as someone who projects a lot myself. So, uh, yeah. Here's the thing that makes Sugimoto suck the most. Everybody knows a Sugimoto. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's what's that's what's sad. <laughs> that's why that's why it hurts so much to watch him be himself because you're like, I've met this fuck boy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like and, it, and yeah, Northern is he doesn't even realize how awful he is. Self awareness, what's that? I have an ex who was a who's a fuck boy, so hooray. I also have a fuck boy ex. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Lisa Beard as Jujo. I do have a little more thoughts on. I thought she did a, that I, I thought she did a pretty good job at the performance. I'm glad, like I'm glad that while she did sound like a bit of a valley girl, they didn't go like suit. They didn't go super stereotypical with it. Uh, both because that probably would have made the performance a little awkward, and also because like the whole deal that the character kind of breaks the stereotype a little bit, and that she seems. And that she seems like she's kind of loose, and she definitely is. But the more we see her, the more it's just like, oh, the more it's like, oh, okay, this is just like a person. That's cool. I'm really glad that you went that work with it. And like, and while things do get kind of dicey for her towards the end, I, I definitely appreciate that the show just very much respects a lot of the decisions she makes, and I thought that Alicia handled all of that really well. And I, don't, I definitely liked how she bounced out of Sodazaki's actors. I thought they had a pretty good dynamic and uh, balanced performance for the most part. And uh, now we get to this guy. We uh, alluded to a uh, bit of a uh, weak link. Yeah. 
so uh, he so Wesley Winston as the Phantom Man is the only person I really have notes for because uh, I have a lot of boards about this. And so Sagus is supposed to be this older man who runs a theater troupe for kids while also getting off to them. And uh, with how incredibly gross all that is, you expect him to sound like, you know, an old, if maybe slightly refined creep. And in a Japanese track, he does sound like that. But for the dub, Wesley and Sam make Sagusa sound kind of young. And by kind of young, I mean his voice sounds lighter than some of the actual teenagers in the show. And I say that's off-putting is kind of an understatement. Like, it really, really doesn't feel like it matches the character design at all. Uh, having said that, there's definitely been plenty of cases where a dub performance going for something different from the Japanese track kind of worked out. That's even been true for some of Kyle's other dubs, like having Jovan Johnson as the Anta, which sounded very different from what Jojo Nakata was doing in Walk Horizon. Uh, but uh, this definitely isn't one of those cases. Uh, I'll admit that Wesley does make Saigusa sound kind of creepy still. Uh, but instead of making him sound creepy because he's a so-called far beating off the kids and, you know, manipulating Nina's emotions for his own amusement, he sounds creepy because there's this kind of youthful voice coming out of such a creepy character and it's kind of really disorienting. And it doesn't help that a lot of his actual acting is just kind of the flattest out of all the named characters. And whenever I wasn't wincing for him a lot of what he was doing, I was kind of wincing for the actual performance. I mean, I guess if any performance is going to be the weak link of this time, I'm kind of at least it was a character we were supposed to hate the most, but it's a really low point in an otherwise solid dub, and I don't really understand the casting decision. Hmm. Alrighty. Uh, Steph. Let me get the easiest ones out of the way. So, Shelby as Tomita. I actually don't have notes on her at all. Um, but I do like her performance as Tomita. She's just this very cheerful, energetic, kind of a sunny personality. Um, and it bounces, and she bounces off of um, Yamagisha or Mr. Milo <laughs> very well. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, she definitely bounces off of him, all right? <clears throat> Andrew, I'm about to call you by your full name, but I'm re refraining from doing it. Thank you, but I deserved it. Oh, I know his full name. I can just do it. Uh, we're good. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I think she was pretty solid. She just didn't have a lot to do in the story for me to really, like, pay attention to her. Um, so I don't really have a lot of notes for her because of that. Loraldo Anzaldua! Sweet lord. <laughs> like, so, when he first came into the show and he talked to Momo, uh, Momoko, and, like, gave her this, like, story about, like, how he he does know her and all this fun stuff, and it's, it was actually really sweet, and it was just like, oh, Momo's gonna get a boyfriend, and then, like, they go out on their date, and he's this <sighs> chauvinistic prick is the term I want to use. You would be correct to use <laughs> And I'm just like, I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Like, I thought this was going to be a sweet little romance for Momoko. And then you find out that Momoko might possibly be into other things. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so <laughs> Loraldo and Zaldiva does actually really well flipping that perspective of this sweet guy to this, this, this basically this asshole, <laughs> this fucking asshole that feeds you the nice lines. And then when you actually try to get to know him, he's just complete other asshole. 
jackass. And it's kind of, it was a lot of fun and I loved it. Um, who else? Who else? Alicia. Alicia. As Jujo. She's, I think she's one of my favorite secondary characters of the show. Because she, a lot of times in anime, you get the, the gal girl, the gal trope, and a lot of times they're just this, like, unhinged, like, oh yeah, whatever, this is, this is how things go, da 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 I, I, I have sex with so many guys. Jujo was not like that at all. Like, you get that at the outward appearance in the beginning, but then when you really, when she starts to befriend Sonozaki a bit more, like, you get more about Jujo as a, a, a character. She's not just this girl that has this persona. She actually has this boyfriend that she really, really loves. And it's just so sweet. And it's so, oh my god. And then it broke my heart what happened to Jujo where she had to drop out of school. And, um, we didn't we didn't bring this topic up yet, but I feel like it needs to be said. How the mm -hmm. show handles teenage pregnancy is very interesting. Because the reason mm -hmm. Jujo had to drop down school because she got pregnant. Um, but how the show handles it, I think it actually handles it very well. Because they turned it into this big thing with the administration, because the administration is awful, which they are. But, um... I think one of the mo more poignant moments for that part of the, her story actually comes from Sonozaki. Because when they find out that she had to drop out of school because she was pregnant, Sonozaki was like, she probably had to do it for the sake of her own child. Like, so she can take care of this child that she's going to be having soon. And, like, Sonozaki's perspective of it is just really really heartwarming like both heartwarming and bittersweet at the same time empathetic em would be the there it is empathetic <laughs> is the word i would like yes thank you so i really enjoyed like and it also says a lot about sonozaki's relationship with jujo and how it developed over the course of the show and i really enjoy that a lot also that baby is so cute <laughs> also he stayed <laughs> baby, what the, the 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 guy stayed. He didn't hit it and quit stayed. it. I thought he, he said that he stayed. I'm like, wait. No, he, the guy stuck around. Something. God damn it. No, but the guy stayed. I know. It was, it was, cute. It was good. It was so good. Um, but yeah, I liked Alicia's performance. It kind of helps break the mold and the trope of the gal girl. Um, oh, sweet, sweet fucking lord. Sweet Lord Segusa. Okay. Ugh. Um, I am very much in the similar camp of Jet. Where, oh, sweet Lord. This performance was very, very off-putting. Um, and I hadn't seen the Japanese, so I have no frame of reference to go off of. But when I first was watching this performance, it was very stiff um, very stiff, and like Jet was saying, it's kind of jarring compared to the con the, the tone of the rest of the show has. Um, so it was very, very difficult for me to get into this performance. Obviously, it's hard to say if this was his, if this is, um, Wesley's, Mr. Wesley Whiston's first outing as a, um, voice actor. 
Um, because let's be frank here, we've had similar statements of other actors in the past and they've grown and learned from it. One of which we are actually going to be talking about a little later. Um, <laughs> speaking of, but um, I don't really know what more to add. This is the performance where it was hard for me to get into in the beginning. I felt, I did feel uncomfortable, but probably not for the right reasons or what the actual intent is supposed to be for it. Um, but it, by the end of it, I was, I was just okay with it. Um, I was just okay. I did have to suspend a lot of my disbelief though to make it work. So mm. this is, this is not to say the performance is awful. It did take some time for me to kind of understand what was being go what was going for here but compared to the rest of the show it was not it, it it didn't it was not a solid performance really in this kind of show i understand what they're going for and it was uncomfortable and very unsettling but not for the right reasons um i still want to punch Zegus in the fucking face though Thank you, Nina, for doing us all. Thank you, Nina, for doing just that. <laughs> One punch! That. <laughs> Thank oh, you. that was such a sad... That was such a that satisfying, was so satisfying punch, too. That is, like, one of the most satisfying punches in anime. That was so satisfying. But, yeah, um, I, I don't want to discourage Wesley at all. Um, I, I would love... This is one of those times where it's like, I want someone to prove me wrong. I see some potential there. Prove me wrong. I uh, prove me wrong. Show me you can grow and like continue working on this. Um, obvious again, like I just said, we have said similar things of individuals in the past. One of which we are going to talk about today. Mm. Um, and they have grown and improved a lot. So I hope that this show was a learning experience um, that he can just take and grow from. Alrighty, it's my turn. Yes. It's my it, turn to play. It is your turn. Oh, Come Lordy. and play with me forever and ever and ever. So, uh, let's start with uh, uh, Tomita, who is Shelby Blocker. She was adorable. She was cute. She had kind of the mom voice. The The one thing I, I remember only because it's in the last ed episode about Tomita is that she literally is like, Okay, girls, well, uh... Uh, don't burn the place down. Make sure you don't kill your teacher. I'll be back in the morning with snackies. It was cute. <laughs> she was adorable. It was very. Um, and then she rolls up to the school with McDonald's in the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're right. She did. She did. But up, 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 You're gonna get expelled. <laughs> Fuck. I hope not. <laughs> but up, 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 This is going on your record. Anyway, now I want McDonald's. I'm going to McDonald's in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jujo, who is Alicia Beard. I thought she was really sweet. Uh, I really like that she starts off really high and haughty and kind of a bitch, and then she mellows out. And I really like the way that she plays her voice a lot more softer as things go on. And, like, the way that she integrates it into the show, kind of hinting that, yeah, she's kind of pregnant. Because I didn't even realize this until you brought it up to me. Yeah, because she has a point where she's like, oh, I'm really tired in the middle of the day for some reason, and this doesn't taste good. And then mm. why would she be looking for a children's book like The Little Prince, which is, like, iconically popular in I Japan? I didn't even realize that. 
I was like, uh, oh, that's a that's a, a symbolic book for a reason, besides that they're trying to do the whole Nina and Nina is the fox thing, but dramatic. Yeah. Uh God, I wanted to punch Sugimoto in the face. <laughs> uh Loraldo did a great job. I mostly know Loraldo for being Tsukushima, who is a huge grade A douchebag. Uh a grade-A douchebag who is awesome. I should say now I know him as Ryo in Food Wars 2. Which is basically... He's basically sleepy mode or ready to rip into something. Yep. Oh! Oh! Is he the fucking angry fish guy that hangs out with the albino hussy? He is, in fact, the angry fish guy that hangs, hangs out, out with, with the albino, albino hussy. hussy. <laughs> Megan doesn't act... Megan knows Food Wars... In, like, bits and pieces. Because she <laughs> missed a bunch of episodes. And she owns the DVDs and she's too lazy to go back and watch what she missed. That's fair. Oh, boy. I just, there are things I know about Food Wars. Uh, number one is that Takumi better win in the harem. <laughs> and two, fuck the blue arc. And two, uh, fuck the blue arc. Um, there is no Food Wars, the blue arc. There is no fifth season. Food Wars, there is no fifth, fifth season. season. Food Wars, you would rather- Food Wars the Blue Arc is like your chef literally dropped his pants, took a shit on the plate, and gave it to you. Oh my god. Oh shit. I wanna- I wanna say you're wrong, but I can't. I can't. There was no season five in Bossing Say. See, you already- you already know the Avatar references. See, I- I don't know. I haven't seen anything Food Wars in ages outside of the tsunami. Room. No, it's it's not it's not that the Food Wars part. It's the Avatar. You joke. dropped a bot. You literally dropped an Avatar joke right now. I only know so much. I haven't watched the entire thing of Avatar. So, okay. uh, Andrew and Jet, I need you to social distance at Steph's house and tie her up and make her watch Avatar. <laughs> Sounds. Oh Jesus Christ! So long as I disinfect the both of them first. Sounds like a plan. Anyways, please continue. I was gonna say, and and Boku Ben's like, what if that the guy that chef shit on five plates and gave it to you? Okay. Um, but oh man, speaking of uh, shitting on a plate, <laughs> why is that your fucking <laughs> man? Segusa is the human embodiment of feces on plate, on plate, or and on a platter. I shouldn't be drinking right now, cause I'm gonna spit my drink out. God. See, God, the little bit it. of the little bit of corn in there is artistic garnish. <laughs> Andrew, stop it! <laughs> Fuck! I call it, I call it dabs of sunshine. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> and for my next trick, <laughs> I'll my make next a sauce. For my Look, he's a pedophile. I can call him a plate of feces and it's fine. And for my next like trick, I shall disappear from this episode. <laughs> and for my next trick, I'll actually talk about the performance. Thank you. Um, no, so, um, just to quickly go back to Lorando, I thought he was great. I thought he was very convincing. I actually really liked his performance. So, I don't and, and when, God, I just wanted to wring his little neck out when he was calling her Momokins. Oh my God. I was like, you are the fucking worst. And you're getting that across so well. Which is why talking about Wes uh, Wesley as Segusa isn't as kind. Um, 
first of all, I'd like to ruin Blue Exorcist for everybody and say that this guy looks like Father Fujimoto. Second, um... Yeah. Yeah. Second. That went over um, my head. I think the reason that this performance doesn't work is that, one, there are points of it that are absolutely flat. Uh, two, I I don't believe this man's... Like, if it wasn't for, like, what was explicitly on screen, I could not believe that anybody was thinking that this guy was great or captivating in any way. There's no charm in his voice. Mm-hmm. Like, even when he's not dealing with Nita. Like... The thing about predators is that no one else knows he's a predator but Nina. And there's a moment where I I feel like he has to be like kind of rude and angry, like not rude and angry, but like dismissive and he sounds like he's just bored and like aloof and it doesn't work. It's when he calls that other little girl boring. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's like you want me to believe that this guy has no sexual interest in this little girl when it has been made very clear that he is sexually attracted to children. Like, it, it, there could be room to improve. Wesley could always go on to do better things and blow our mind, but in this case, it was flat. I didn't feel any like ounce of charm or charisma or. Anything vocally that ever made me really believe that this was a man that could get away with it. Um, the only way I could believe that is because of the visuals, not the audio clues to that. And I think there's only like one real moment that I think he actually kind of gets it. And that's during the the uh, legend reading. Where he says, Magnifique. Magnifique. I actually liked that read, too. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you, yeah, you get like, one. You get, that's your one. But I, he is honestly the weakest performance in the in the show for me. Mm. All right. But yes, uh, so going into it very quickly, uh, Shelby does a pretty good job sounding like this cute, like, mom teacher character. She sounds like such a sweetheart ray of, ray of sunshine, and she is canonically thick, and I approve. Um, Jujo. Jujo, by the way, I mean the character, Tomita, which literally they have a whole conversation about her fat ass and literally uh, Hongo's like, uh, yeah, she's very plump. And he's like, you fucking high schoolers. You're so <laughs> condescending about like anything being other skinny. And it's like, there's some value in that. I remember they're like, oh, that was funny. Uh, but yeah, no, Shelby is a very adorable mod character. I actually really liked her delivery of when they call uh, Sonazaki to come see their uh, hostage situation. And it's basically, I employed the mom is disappointed strategy. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that, was <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Uh, Alicia Beard as uh, Jujo. She's this very sweet gal girl who kind of starts out a little snarky, but then you see her basically get a little softer and try to actively like meet Sonazaki and befriend her. But like what stops her is Sonazaki's own prejudices and preconceptions at the start of the series and then they get a closer friendship when those preconceptions like stop being a thing and they get really close and care for each other and i think their friendship is really sweet and integral especially to sonazaki and i won't lie i got a hard laugh when i saw that her boyfriend is the most vanilla doujin looking motherfucker ever I would read their doujin on Faku.com in a heartbeat. Admittedly, you did of- you did get a laugh at that. Yeah. It beats it beats that the 
Look, he exists to balance out that the fact that the principal looks like the fat guy in a doujin. Look, the principal... The principal... Also, I also hate that character's performance, too. Mm. But yeah, no, uh, I think uh, Alicia's Jujo is pretty good. But man, fucking Loraldo as Sukimoto. He does such a fantastic job at selling himself as the nice guy who means well... The dude who thinks he means well, but is actually kind of a chauvinist pig who's bragging about how fucking cool he is, or how cool it is to pay for a girl's meal. When it's like, at this oh point, God. it's like, you saved her, you saved her like 200 yen. That's like, maybe two dollars or less. That's how much you saved her. You're not, that's, it's like, oh, I, I say, you saved a little money. Hey, instead Andrew, of being like, Andrew, didn't I say something to the extent of like, like, <laughs> Even when we're on dates, I'm usually the kind of person who's just like, let's split it in the middle. And then now we've come to the point where like either one person pays or the other person pays like on and off and we take turns. I That's just God, absolute God. bullshit what Sugimoto did. Yeah. yeah. Guys, don't pull a Sugimoto. I will kick you in the nuts. I will appear out of nowhere and kick you in the nuts. Gentlemen, here, here's your love lesson of the day. Don't be a Sugimoto. Don't be a Sugimoto. Either, either, you know either, either, when you go on a date with a lady and dinner is involved, either you split the tab 50-50 or you fucking pay for the whole thing. Don't also, pull that don't show be a Don't be a Saigusa. Don't be a fake-ass, so, bitch-ass white boy. Yes, don't be a bitch-ass white boy. Also, don't be a pedophile. No, well, we will get to that. We will but get we're to talking that. about Sugimoto right now, so don't Su- be a bitch-ass Sugimoto. white boy. Sugimoto! Who, which I actually really liked when he's with his friends, and he sounds so fake. Because you can tell, like, he's a different person when he's with them, and you can tell he's totally this fake bitch mm-hmm. who's really trying to sound so much cooler than he actually is. Yeah. And while it's a little weird, I actually think they do a good job cementing Sugimoto as this fake guy who really hides who he really is. Yep. And then when he confronts Momo and he straight up calls her a slut that was leading yeah. it on, I'm like, oh, yeah, the, fuck tru- that. the true colors come out. You're the worst. But Loraldo's the best at being the worst. Unfortunately, Wesley's the worst at being the actual worst. Oh, boy. Look, I, I, I will admit it was different than what I expected from the Japanese, which was this much like older deeper tone of voice which was a lot more like i guess like older band character which here's the thing if you want to go for something different than the tone of voice in the japanese that's fine i'm okay with that if you get somebody who know what they're doing which i don't believe that wesley did or was given proper direction or i'm not sure what the hell happened here it sounds very flat it sounds very high pitched like it almost sounds like okay i don't know how to how to put this without bluntly saying it it sounds almost kind of like a south park impression of michael jackson And if that's the angle you're going at with the pedophilia, I don't think that works for what Saigoose is doing. It's... 
And there's a couple of moments I hear it work. There's a couple of moments where I hear him sounding very creepy, a little more like demented. And like when he says magnifique, I'm like, ooh, you actually kind of got it there. But oh, this is easily the roughest and weakest performance of the show. And it's very unfortunate because I feel like this is a character I really should have hated. And I should have heard his voice and it should have made my screen. I should have heard his voice and it should have made my skin crawl. This one, it was just like, uh, that was kind of rough. And it's unfortunate because it is, it has moments, but I was not a fan of what they chose to do with his performance in the dub. I'm sorry. It just, I, I, I can't, I can't even like see too many positives. I just think this was a bad call. And also, fuck Saigusa, you deserve that punch, you pedophile grooming motherfucker. Oh, uh, you yep. deserve every second of that punch. Eat shit, you dick. Mm. All right, time to move move on to our first pair. S- question mark exclamation point. Question oh, mark man. exclamation point. Let's talk about uh, our next two characters. That would be uh, Hitoa Hongo and. Tomoaki Yamagishi, also known as Milo-sensei. Uh, Hongo is an up-and-coming writer who is kind of lambasted by her editors for not knowing how sex works and kind of sounding kind of lame and boring. And it's like, you don't know how to write sex. You're fucking lame. You suck at this. And then she ends up kind of cybering with a guy online to try and get a little more experience, only to learn... The man she's cybering online is a teacher at her school, who she then uses to conceivably blackmail him to be a club advisor for their club so they can keep it going. They are also involved in what I can only describe as the world's most inappropriate game of chicken. (laughs) Oh, so inappropriate. So, playing these two characters, uh, playing the role of Hongo is... I don't know if it's Eliza or Elisa Kuehler. Elisa, it's an S. Okay. Elisa Kuehler and playing the role of Yamagishi, a.k.a. Milo, is Garrett West. Garrett West has played such characters as... Can I stop you right there? It's Gareth. There's a T-H, not a Garrett. Gareth. Thank you. Okay. It's my first time talking about him. Gareth West has played such characters as... Kakeru Tobe from My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu. Ataru Yautome from Mr. Tonegawa's Middle Management Blues. Kanichi Konishi from Food Wars. Seiya Takahaya from Surine. And oh I- Itetsu Takeda from Haikyuu. Uh, Elisa has played such characters as Wee Migi from Arm Girls Machiavelli's- Machiavellism. Sayo Hikawa from Bang Dreams Second Season. Saiko Nishiguchi from Mr. Tonegawa, Noah Shirogiku from Surine, and Benitoite from Land of the Lustrous. I think or, it's now. It's not Noah, it's now. Is it? Okay. Now, and I don't know how you say, it's it Benitoite? How do you say it? Benetite? Benelite? Benelite. Something like that, yeah. It's all a right. rock. It, they're all rocks, yes. I just wasn't sure how to pronounce it. So... Jet, care to start us off? Okay, um, 
Okay, so I'll start with uh, Alyssa Tongo. I'm not really familiar with any of her work outside of the stub, so uh, for my first impression of her, I'm pretty happy with what I heard. Uh, out of all five girls, Hongo definitely had the most distinct voice in Japanese, and I kind of had a hard time imagining how they were going to get someone to match that. Uh, but Alyssa definitely made it work. Uh, there's this weird kind of puffiness to her tone of voice that's kind of similar to how Sonozaki sounds, but in a much more eccentric and kind of introverted way, which sort of matches the kind of character Hongo is. Uh, Hongo aspires, aspires to be you know, a romance writer, despite not really being experienced with romance herself. And also plays Hogo with all the eccentricity and haughtiness you would kind of expect from an aspiring TV writer as she tries to portray herself as being the most quiet and subdued member of the girls while also uh, kind of hide to, failing to hide a lot of her frustrations with how her writing's going and really failing to hide all her eggs when it comes to the topic of sex. Uh, this, this makes a lot of her interactions with Mr. Milo pretty interesting to say the least. Uh, because while she tries to make it seem like she has him by the balls and won't stop at nothing to get a rise out of him, the fact that he only ever sees her as a kid no matter how awkward the situation gets is something that kind of eats away at her, and it only kind of makes her feel even more awkward about herself, which Alyssa gets across really well in a lot of their interactions. Uh, it's certainly not a comfortable subject, but I mean, teens having crushes on adults is definitely not a foreign concept and it's a thing that happens, so I appreciate that. There's a difference between having a crush from afar and having a crush from that close. Yeah, oh, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll talk about that in my when I talk about my thoughts. Yeah, so, oh, oh, so, oh, oh, don't worry, I don't worry about with this. As I was just saying that I'm glad these two treats her treats her across sympathetically while also making it clear that it wasn't going to work out the way she wanted. Uh, my only issue with Alyssa is that there were segments this is where I thought she could have promoted a little more, like the hotel room scene where. Uh, Hogo tries to force herself on Mr. Milo. A couple of her line reads there were a little flatter than I would have liked. Uh, but on a whole, I thought Alyssa nailed Hogo more often than not, and I definitely hope this won't be the last I hear of her. And with that out of the way, let's talk about Milo, because oh boy, Milo. Uh, so this is a character who gets introduced by meeting up with somebody he thought he was sexing online, only to tr try running like hell once he realizes it's one of his students, and things only get more awkward from there. Now, to say his relationship with Hongo is problematic is kind of an understatement, since he gets caught up in her whims pretty quickly, and plays along with her attempts to arouse him, so long as they aren't noticeable enough to get the cops involved. By all means, this character should have been the kind of guy you'd want to put into the sun, but got started for some reason, I couldn't totally hate this guy. Uh, he's definitely very pompous, and like Hongo, he tries to act like the most mature person in the room, even when he really, really isn't. And Dick Gareth does a good job with that, but for all the problems he gets himself into with Hongo, you can know that he does at least feel sorry for her and that he hopes he can get her off his back without, you know, totally wrecking her emotionally. Uh, even so, the problem I have with this guy is that he's just way too passive in dealing with Hongo. I kind of care if he was blackmailing him, this guy is still supposed to be a teacher and there was definitely a much better way to deal with things than just playing a lot with her antics. And he definitely should have let things get far enough for that whole hotel room scene to happen. That was just, uh, yeah. Mm. Yep, and like, uh, by the end of the show, I came to the conclusion that I don't think he's necessarily a bad person, per se. Since, again, however awkwardly he handles things, he does at least kind of want to do the right thing. Uh, but he's definitely not a responsible person, and definitely not responsible enough to be a teacher. And as a pretty irresponsible guy myself, that's kind of saying a lot. Uh, that's why if I have any complaints about the ending, it's that he didn't lose. It's that he didn't at least lose his job after every after everything that happened. Like I'm not saying he should have gone to prison, but he should have at least lost his job. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I'm glad he at least got a little comeuppance by being held hostage for a while, but giving him a totally happy ending just kind of felt a little, like, seriously. I mean, anyway, I know I talked a lot more about the character than I did Garrus' performance, but I thought that Garrus did a really good job with it. Uh, I'll admit I almost had the same problem with him that I had with Pedo Man, and that I thought he sounded maybe a little too young at first. But I don't think Mr. Mio was any older than his early 30s at best, so it kind of works out, and it wasn't nearly as off-putting. And I thought mm. his actual performance was definitely solid enough that I got pretty used to it after a while. So, uh, yeah, I rambled a little bit, but I thought both of his performances were pretty good. Not going to be the last time ramble happens on this, don't worry. We're, we're, you're good, man. All right. Steph. Hi. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> so, um, Elisa and Gareth, huh? So, I'm actually going to start with Gareth because there are some points, Jet, that you're making that I'm going to kind of argue against. Um, because, <laughs> okay, some of the points I will agree with you on this. <laughs> Mr. Milo probably should have lost his job by the end of this, but it seems like his his excursion with Hongo didn't fully come out into the truth, so I guess he gets away with it. Um, but I feel like you are right in that he should have stopped this long ago. He should have stopped this from getting this, this far so fucking long ago. Um, but anyway, um... <laughs> Gareth West is playing another teacher, first of all. <laughs> He's playing another teacher, first of all. Uh, which is very entertaining after what I know of with Haikyuu and the teacher he plays there. But oh boy, is Yamagishi very different. <laughs> very. <laughs> Compared to good, sweet volleyball advisor teacher. Um... Oh boy, I did not expect this kind of turn from this kind of, with, with this character and not with Gareth West, because a lot of the characters I associate Gareth West with currently are like kind of fun, peppy, like innocent kind of guys, but now we have Yamagishi. Oh god. Um, so... I will say, I really like this performance. Um, and I will say that there were moments that Gareth, Gareth, with his portrayal of Yamagishi, it did make me uncomfortable. In the good way. <laughs> because that's the whole point. <laughs> um, with some of the antics that he gets stuck with with Hongo, it their dynamic actually really works in terms of how, how uncomfortable it is because Hongo's a fucking dumbass sometimes. Uh, but their dynamic really works because Gareth is trying to teach her, but he's not doing it in the best possible way. Like, he's kind of leading on with these antics and it just gets very uncomfortable um, to the point where yes, they end up at a goddamn love hotel of all things. And But the performance really works. I could get that level of, like, level of, like, pompousness and, like, like pride to him in a sense, kind of. Pride, maybe not be the right word. but Arrogance? Thank you, arrogance. Arrogance. Because he's not into schoolgirls. He makes that very clear from the start, and he keeps making that clear throughout the entire show. Um, but what I will also say with 
Gareth is after the with the incident at the Love Hotel. What I also really loved about his performance is that how he was able to soften up because he realizes that he all he is actually is just a coward. Like he he's not he, he like he, of course he's not into like high school girls because that's fucking illegal. He knows that. But at the same time he's also like a coward. He doesn't know how to handle certain things in some cases and like after that incident he kind of softens up a little bit. And I appreciate that very much. Though granted, him being fucking tied up and held hostage by the girls is the greatest shit in the world right now. Um, I did not expect this to be a thing, mind you. I went to the end of episode 11 like, what the actual fuck is happening? <laughs> um, uh, Kazuka, li she literally tries to Vulcan chop him. It's great. Um, but yeah, I think- Hiya! <laughs> It was great. Um, but I really do like Gareth West's performance of um, Mr. Milo. Because uh, this is the good kind of uncomfortable that I think really works. This is the level of uncomfortable that this show needed and he gave with that performance. So kudos to you. You are still a fucking sweet sounding person. But what the fuck? Um, as for Elisa... Um, what did I write for Elisa exactly? So Elisa is a very different voice um, compared to the other five, four girls. Um, and it's a very different tone and dynamic, which is great because it needs a diverse cast, it needs diverse tone to it um, and personality and bouncing off of each other and it works very well. Um, for Elisa, she's both calm and tough, but she also is trying so hard to to figure out her style because she is an author and the reason why she gets into these shenanigans with Mr. Milo in the first place is she's trying to basically write an erotic novel at the behest of her fucking editor. To which, fuck that guy. <laughs> first of all, fuck that guy. Um, but, and this is where I'm gonna kind of have to argue a little bit against what you said, Jet. Um, I'm gonna go back to the Love Hotel scene where she ends up so flustered and nervous and she ends up crying because she thinks that Mr. Milo is not sexually attracted to him. Um, honestly, I could feel the frustration. I could feel the frustration and that like, maybe like a dose of anxiety in there and I think it actually worked. Yeah, to break that, it was the whole bit where she like literally tried to pull off his pants where it was like, okay, he sounds a little flat here. Eh. 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 Nah. I, 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 eh. I don't think so. Agree, agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Um, but, <laughs> she's, uh, but Hongo, dear sweet lord, she's like the master manipulator of, if, of all time here. <laughs> like, she basically, her relationship and dynamic with Mr. Milo is just some of the funniest shit because of the fact that she's straight up blackmails him. And it's great. But um, by the end of it, she also kind of owns up to her mistakes um, as well as how childish she is. Um, and I think that came across very well. So I... I barely remember her in Land of the Lustrous, in all honesty, because I think Benedite is um, a very smaller role. Um, but I do want to hear more from Elisa, for sure. So both of these performances, I do enjoy it. Alrighty. 
Megan, it's your turn. I'll talk about Gareth as y uh, Yamagishi, uh, as Mila Sensei first. Uh, I am a really big Gareth West fan. Um, I liked him a lot in Haikyuu. I loved him in Surune. Uh I love him in this. Uh, he was one of my favorite performances in the show, actually. Mm. Um, uh, he's probably my favorite male performance in the show. I thought he captured uh, Milo Sensei's sarcasm, his uh, warmth, his annoyance, his fear. Because, uh, let's face it, um, yeah, Hongo's technically sexually assaults this guy. Yeah, multiple times. Multiple times she does. She forces herself on him in the schoolroom and she straight up shoves her, her her vagina in his face. Um and thankfully it is never played for comedy. Um I think you, Gareth really also gets across his annoyance with her cuz if I was him I'd also be super annoyed and and look, I'm not saying that he is completely faultless in the situation. Obviously he was like he was engaging in cyber sex with a teenage girl, but he obviously, I don't think, knew, and when he knew, he tried to nope out. Yep. I oh, he, he, Okay, that part I don't have a problem with. It was, like, him literally encouraging her after that. That was, like, okay. Mm. Yeah, that's the issue. Yeah, Which, like, he, by the way, I, I love the <laughs> scene where he realizes it, and you see him strategically run away. <laughs> he gets the fuck out of there. He's like, I'm he out. He literally <laughs> wait. He waits for the for the crossing thing to just slightly change and then bolts. Like that's strategy. Like he's good. He's that man good. can escape. That man can escape child payment in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> oh my okay, god! I was, not, I was not expecting that. Wow. <laughs> that man uh, can outrun the Law and Order. <laughs> Bum, 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 in a criminal justice system. <laughs> system. In the criminal, in the anime horn, in the anime justice system, the sides are represented by uh, two opposing yet equally siding sides. Ace Attorney. Bum, bum. <laughs> Someone needs to edit the Ace Attorney anime into like a fucking Law and Order opening. Oh my god! I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if that doesn't already exist. Oh, if it doesn't, somebody please do it. Um, mm. But no, like, obviously, obviously, this character, Milo is not a, is not a blameless person. He obviously encourages her. He, I think he, like, encourages her to wear a thong. Yes. At one point in, like, the idea of eroticism, but, like, <laughs> stop laughing at that. No, 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 no. Uh, it does exist. What? Ace Attorney Law and Order intro. It exists. I That's knew us. it. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, That's why I was laughing. Sorry. Um, no, and I think I think to me, one of the lines I really like delivered the most is when uh, Hongo does have him in the '69, and she pulls down his pants, and you just hear him go, "Hongo, no!" And he doesn't have an erection, and it's like, "It's not me. It's you." And he kind of dads her, and Hong goes crying, and he gives her the hug. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I do like a lot of his, like, really funny retorts, because Gareth has a really good sense of delivering, like, really funny jab backs. He's of, like, sassy. He's a sassy little bitch. Um, and then, Elisa as Hongo. Uh, there are parts of- there's- okay, I, I, I know this is probably the Japanese, too- but sometimes, like, I could not believe that Hongo had, a like, a high school girl's voice. 
Mm. I think she sounded a little too old. But I also think that that's also okay in this sense because Hongo's trying to act older than she is. Mm. And I think from what I, I heard in the sub, Hongo also had a very similar, distinct older voice. She's got a pretty deep voice, yeah. So I, I do think there are times where she has a flat delivery and she was not who I was. One of the, she was one of the people I wasn't sold on at the very beginning of the show. But she really did grow into Hongo. And when Hongo f- bites off more than she can chew, um, when she goes to Love Hotel, when she's just like, oh, come on. And you, like, hear her freaking out as she looks over the phone of, like, trying to have techniques to, like, get him aroused. Or, um... Ten techniques to blow his mind mind. and his penis. (laughs) God damn it. Someone went to Esquire Mag. Um, And then also be, like, I I really do like Elisa's frustration that you can hear in her voice when her editor's laughing at her. Yeah. And it's like, uh, what was it? Uh, high school girls don't have any experience, and I'm just like, and then it shows her cybering, I'm like, I have been on Gaia online enough to know that's not true. Hmm. Um, so, I think that she, she, by the end of the show, I think she really did pull it off. I think in terms of, like, the main five girls, she might be my weakest performance out of them, but she's still much, much stronger than Segusa. Like, if this is what comp uh, like is the weakest of the girls' performances, this is still miles better than like what I think like it could have been. Like I okay. think that I think that she does a really good job, and I really again by the end of this dub, I thought like the dub was fantastic, and I was just like I need more right now. Like I wanted to be spoon fed more of it. But Hongo is I the thing that I really want to compliment is that Hongo is not an easy character to play. Mm-hmm. She is uncomfortable. Like, even as somebody who's watching the show, I... Uh, Hongo isn't a person, a good person, I think, but she is a great character. Mm. Um, like, you obviously sympathize with Hongo's frustration, her sexual frustrations, but, like, you are also made to feel uncomfortable by her, her acting out because she does sexually assault him. Yeah. Like, she, it, she, she forces herself onto him and it's creepy and you can always say, well, oh, he's always in the position of power. It's the teacher. But, like, no, she still puts her hands on him. And he clearly does not find her attracted. And, yes, he should have done more. But, like, they're both kind of at fault in this, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And, like, unlike Nina, she she doesn't have a background that we know of of being groomed. Mm. So, but, yeah. But, otherwise, good job uh, to both Elisa uh, and uh, Gareth. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm kind of going to echo a lot of that. I will say that uh, Gareth as Yamagishi, he's cold, cool, but also very rude and sassy. He does a strong job making him sound like a very egotistical, kind of pompous guy, where he kind of thinks he knows better than he actually does, but you also see the facade kind of break when Hongo really pushes him to the limits, and you see him genuinely get, like, shocked and flustered like sometimes it's kind of funny but other times it's like wow okay this is really going in places and you can tell he's genuinely uncomfortable and like not cool with this but steph are you the one that said he kind of goes dad mode like he kind of goes dad mode like in the hotels no that was megan all right megan that was it's like 
the whole dad mode thing is like, yeah, he kind of does go for that when she is really, like, hurt and suffering about it. But I like that Yamagishi is a very complicated character, too. But I do appreciate at the end, like, he's trying, he's up to bat for Sonazaki. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, he's not trying to throw her under the bus. He's like, look, I was the one that was at the, I was at, in that district. I was there with a woman consent. He was like, he's fibbing the truth a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean, he's kind of lying about the- uh, He's, he's leaving tongue. the part but about Hongo being there. He's leaving the important critical part out, but he's basically saying, I was there with a woman. Uh, it was a consensual act. The student was following me because that's how she is. She's like, my advisor can't be a sex-crazed maniac. I need to tail him. And that's why the curiosity got the better of her. That's why she was following me. And even then, they're like, yeah, no, we're still going to expel her. It's like, that's fucked. Mm -hmm. But at yeah, the end of the day... fuck the principal in the show. See, the principal, here's the thing. The principal is the cowardly passive one. The vice principal is the actual power-hungry yeah. asshole. Both of them are complicit and shitty. Uh, but yeah, uh, like at the end of the day, Yamagishi does kind of help bring everybody back together after being, you know, tied up. And then they're like, okay, cool. You have fun, kids. God, that tape was on his mouth so long. His like face was starting to get red. Oh, my God. oh God. But yeah, no, Gareth is wonderful as Yamagishi. And Hongo is really interesting. I think she's a little rough at times, but I think she has a really strong de delivery when it comes to Hongo's, like, outburst of rage and frustration. Like, you see all of the anxiety, the insecurities about her as a writer, as a author, as a sexual deviant. Like, you can see all that. There's two lines that really got me about her delivery is basically... This bastard is going to take my virginity at the cheapest motel he can find. Yep. Yes, her delivery of that was perfect. It was great. Uh, that was so good. And the other one is when she basically goes full-on uh, sexual terrorist to the point that uh, Socks from Shimonetta would have been proud of her. <laughs> oh, shit, man. I, I think N1 for being like, oh, yeah, no, the sex Thanks, terrorist Victor. from Sex terrorist from Shimonetta would have been very proud of her antics. To which, by the end, she's like, "This train has no brakes, and we're going straight into hell." I'm she's, like, oh. "Okay." In my mind, she is canonically the child of uh, those two characters from Shimonetta transported into our world. Yeah, oh, you know that. what? I'm actually okay with that head cannon. Uh, or no! Oh wait, no, that's in the future. So technically, she, they are uh, Jamie's girl is her descendant. Yeah. Oh God, you're right. Is that, is that, yeah. I, I'm okay. I, I had canon this majorly. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will admit, while a lot of Hogo and Milo's dynamic is very uncomfortable, I will admit I did get a very good chuckle out of that bit where after, like, where after Milo's being held hostage, and she's like, "I really hope you get a case of Stockholm syndrome." I was like, "Okay, that's actually a really funny line." Yeah, I, I, get, I like that one too. But yeah, no, uh, Elisa and Gareth. I'm big fan of both of their performances, though these characters are really problematic they are very complicated and that's very the whole well show yes that is the whole show. these characters especially but i think we need something a little less problematic Can we to talk go on about to. my daughter we need to talk about something a little more wholesome fucking adorable Can we talk, Let's about talk about my daughter please it's time to talk about the best the best girl objectively so rika sonazaki and her her boyfriend his name is Shun Amagi, aka uh, my daughter, <laughs> and my and my daughter and Amagi. 
Amagi is a kind of awkward jock boy who's kind of doing it. He's kind of popular, but also kind of very awkward too. And notices that Sonazaki's kind of a bit of a cutie that she doesn't appreciate, she doesn't really recognize. Sonazaki is a, she is the head of the literature club. She is a extremely against any and all forms of sexual contact uh, sexuality, She's sexual expression. She's a bit expression. of a prude in a comedic way. <laughs> she is a bit of a hardcore bookworm prude before her character arc is basically understanding love, attraction, and how people come to express that. And that's not wrong to express it. And these two eventually find each other. And they... Oh my god, they're the fucking cutest thing in the world. I'm just gonna talk so about who cute. plays them. Uh, starting off, uh... Playing uh, Shunamagi is Gabriel Rigojo, and playing Rika Sonazaki is Avery Smithheart. <laughs> she, uh, so Gabriel Rigojo has played such characters as Kufa Vampire from Assassin's Pride. <laughs> Takeshi, why are we talking about Assassin's Pride right now? I will never get over that fucking name. His name is Kufa Vampire from Assassin's Pride. God damn it. Uh, My name is Ebony Darkness from Metroid. <laughs> hold, hold on to that thought for a, a second, Megan, because he's also Takeshi Makimura from Devil's Line. He's Nobukatsu Oda from Nobunaga the Fool, Ryohei Yamanuchi from Surune, and of course, Alba. <laughs> From Dramatical Murder. Oh, there it is. <laughs> there I it will is. never let him live it down. Uh, I'm going to meet that man one day and get him to sign my copy and look him dead in the fucking eyes. You have fun with that. But you know who also has fun? Avery Smithart, who has played such characters as Rika Seo from Surine, Anji from Princess Principal, Alexandra Marguerite from Tata Never Falls in Love, a.k.a. Alex... Cinnabar from Land of the Lustrous, and Hanabi Yasurayoka from Scum's Wish. And before you ask anyone, yes, I'm going to watch it. She signed my copy. I'm obligated to someday. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, before I go on and hand this off to Jet, all I'm going to say is... I don't think there is a arc in the show that is more satisfying to watch the progression of... Than the 50 page paper. <laughs> the, the gradual what? build up of that arc is literally like one of the cutest and oh sweetest things God. in the show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll, I'll save it for when, I, for when it's my turn. I don't want to hold it. All right. I, I just had to start up with the 50 page paper. So, Jet, give me your 50 page paper on these two. Okay. Um, so I'll start with Gabriel with Jojo since uh, out of all the prominent characters of the show, soon kind of left the smallest impression on me. Uh, he's a very sweet boy who does his best to please Sonazaki, and he's always very honest with her, which is nice. And uh, while I did think he sounded maybe a little rough in the beginning, I thought that Gabriel did a good job of making him sound very sweet and very understanding. Uh, sadly, that's kind of all there really is in the character until, like, maybe the very last episode where he... Reveals to Sonazaki that he's a little more experienced with the ladies that he lets on. And uh, Gabriel definitely made his very flustered reaction to him trying to play that whole thing off very funny. So he was like, so next was like, oh yeah, I, I totally shot through the was like, wait, what? <laughs> I've been the first base. <laughs> I, I touched a boob. 
But yeah, but, but again, that, that whole thing was pretty funny, but again, he's just kind of there, the perfect, nice boyfriend. But, you know, given a lot of, given how a lot of, how messy a lot of the other relationships in, relationships in this show are, and we definitely needed one of those, so I can't really complain, and uh, it was very nice. Uh, but what else, out of the way, let's get to the real star of this section, so Nozaki and Avery Smith-Hart's performance. Now, even though I'm still not quite as familiar with Avery as I'd like to be, the second I heard this was getting a job, I knew I wanted Avery to play this character, and I'm definitely glad that panned out because she's really fantastic. Uh, she's great at making Sunazahi come off as a total prude and be kind of extremely uptight girl who acts very holier than thou while also being very clearly, clearly sheltered. And uh, for a lot of the first few episodes, Avery makes her come off as kind of snooty, but not in the way that feels solely unlikable. And uh, even with all her attitude, it's very clear that she's just kind of desperately trying to come off as being more buff at all than she actually is. But say, uh, say, like, say, uh, like how she's very, like how she's very prude towards, you know, a lot of the cowgirls and then goes, like, and then immediately runs off to, like, buy a magazine. I thought that was pretty funny. And, the, and, the, and we see with Tyler, she's also kind of insecure about the way she looks, which... Uh, makes the whole bit where she's trying to figure out what the heck she could possibly see in her uh, pretty funny. As I, and, uh, and that whole essay scene where he's just going off about how cute she is was honestly pretty sweet. And Avery's blessed reaction was so sincere it was definitely hard not to dot that scene. And uh, from there, Sonazaki definitely becomes a lot more open-minded. And whilst not so totally ditching that very righteous personality of hers, and Avery handled that shit pretty well. Uh, she goes from pretending to be the mom of the group to actually being the mom of the group. It's mostly at the end when the girls that act that whole kidnapping scheme to save her from expulsion as a, and a teacher and, uh, and as we established before, it's literally said, we pulled out the mom will be disappointed in you card. I was like, okay, that's a good joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> also uh, true. Yeah. I also liked how she played off of Alicia Beard and Juju, and I thought uh, the growth of their relationship was pretty interesting. And I especially enjoyed watching her play off of Gabriel Shu, since again, they are a very cute couple. Uh, both performances were good, so does Aki is the best girl, and that's kind of all I have to say. Stephanie, yes, it is time to talk about your daughter. Okay, good. Because I love my daughter very much. Um, <laughs> but first, I'm going to talk about um, Amangi and uh, Gabriel Vergojo. So remember how I was saying earlier when we were when I was talking about Segusa that we've had similar comments of being very critical of performances and actors in the past that have wowed us eventually. Granted, this came up more in Suriname, but hello again, <laughs> hello again, Gabriel Vergojo. Uh, you have. You, you cease to amaze me right now <laughs> at how much you've grown as a voice actor. And I honestly really, really appreciate that. Because Amagi, <laughs> Amagi is such a dork. <laughs> Amagi is a sweet, sweet little dork. And I love him so much. He plays off of Avery so well. <sighs> he plays off of Avery so well. And Avery's like prudeness and her idea of what love and relationships is before like and, and trying to figure out like um who she is and why people are like this and things like that and he just comes forward he's like you're cute like this is why i like you you're very cute um and oh my god andrew can attest to this 
when we watched the essay scene, because mind you, we watched it twice. Um, once when we were first going through the show, and then I think we we were. I, I want to rewatch it again because I want to get that scene again. Yeah, because we hadn't watched it together in a couple weeks, and um, he wanted to like rewatch that part again. He can attest to this. I was so excited and so giddy at the whole thing. I was just like, oh my god, my daughter has a boyfriend now. <laughs> it was kind of amusing. Um, but my baby girl's all grown up. My girl, my baby girl's all grown up. Oh my god. But no, um, like, this is why I really want to push that even though I'm very critical of voice actors and performances that are not that fantastic there are actors who will, who can grow um as an actor the more they do different roles and gabriel is one of those voices because sweet lord when we talked about geronica murder holy shit <laughs> five years ago oh. it was a dark fucking time but um but no i really enjoyed amagi's like sweet not kind nature and i think another point that i really was sold on um outside of the um 50 50 page essay was um when amagi and sonozaki followed uh, mr milo and hongo and they're just out there in the streets of the hotel district and amagi's just like i don't want to be here right now because I want to make sure that you're not put in a very bad position. Can we please go? Like, he was very, very caring and protective of her. And it was just the sweetest thing in the whole world in my heart. <laughs> my heart was just like, oh my god. Oh my god, my children. <laughs> uh, and and uh, it turns out he, she probably should have listened to him. Yeah. She should have, yeah. Yep. No, no kidding. Um, and then... So yeah, Gabriel as Amagi, like sweet vanilla. Uh, I like me my vanilla boys, and this is of course a vanilla boy. I love him dearly. It's a very he's a very, he's vanilla, very vanilla boy, vanilla. but it's a it's a tasty vanilla. It's a delicious vanilla. Um, now my daughter. Um, while Jet referred to transitioning into this as now let's talk about the star of the section. I'm gonna refer to this as let's talk about the star of this goddamn show, because. <laughs> Avery is my favorite performance of the whole show, bar none. <laughs> like, because Sonozaki has such... Sonozaki has so much energy to her. It's... It is insane. Like, she, from the start, I'm just like, oh my god, this girl is so, so, like, energetic and is such a prude. At the same time, I'm like, I like you. You're adorable. But then the more I keep watching it with Andrew, and then eventually I'm like, Andrew, this is my daughter now. Sonozaki is my child now. He's like, okay. <laughs> um, no objections there. No objections. And like, I think what I really loved is the amount of energy, the amount of compassion, the amount of um, this character arc in general, growth and um, empathy that... Um, Sonozaki has to portray, and I think Avery just is phenomenal with it. Like, I'm used to Avery being, like, the stoic, the stoic characters, like, Alex in Tata, and, um, fuck was she in Land of Lustrous again? Cinnabar. Uh, Cinnabar. Cinnabar. Like, I'm used to those characters. I am not used to energetic, almost near spazzy levels of Avery. I'm not used to that. 
and I loved every goddamn second of it. Like, she, like, while, while Sonazaki's character arc is the most vanilla of the, in, of the main five characters, is the most vanilla, it is by uh, far the sweetest. And I loved every second that Avery was on screen and just, like, just so energetic and yet also very soft and compassionate at the same time. So, I loved it. I, I'd, I'd argue that a little bit. I'd say, I'd, I'll go more into this in my section, but I just want to say, I think her relationship is the most sweet vanilla. I'm not sure I'd agree that her character arc is the most vanilla, because I have thoughts about her particular arc, too. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> okay, it's vanilla in a sense, in that it's not as dark, but I think it's still as important, though. Uh, agree to disagree. But yeah, Avery, Avery okay. for me, is the goddamn star of the show, bar none. Like, just, <laughs> you cannot tell me otherwise. <laughs> this is my favorite performance. Sonozaki is my daughter. Fuck you, fight me. <laughs> I'm done. No arguments I'm, here, sweetie. I'm done, I'm done. Megan. Uh, so yeah, as the number one member of the Gabriel Rogojo uh, redemption arc train. <laughs> I'm um, number two. <laughs> Uh, cause let's, let's be real. I kind of wrote him off like I once wrote off Garrett Storms and now Garrett Storms is one of my favorite voice actors. Mm -hmm. So, uh, who's to say? Um, but I think that Gabriel does a good job. There are moments where he is a little flat. Um, there's maybe one or two deliveries that weren't as sharp as I think they could have been, but hey, who's to complain? He gets across the sweet natured and lovable kind of dumb jock voice he never sounds stupid. Like, he doesn't sound, like, overly stupid or anything. I think he's absolutely sweet and adorable, and I was rooting for him. And, and God, he's such a good boy when he's just, like, okay, his reaction to when Sonazaki says yes, and he just runs off and goes, yeah! He just and then jumps in the air. He's so cute. He's and so he's just, happy. like, yelling, and, and she's just like, stop yelling, everybody will hear you. But she's like crying and stuff. And then when he gets to do it at the festival, is super fucking cute and just he was so adorable. And I also love okay, I also love when she like freaks out because he's touched a boob before. Oh my god. And you're just rooting for these two dumb motherfuckers so hard. Yep. And I, I also really like how soft he was when She's like, oh, well, you've kissed before. And he, he leans in and he kisses her forehead. And how sweet and gentle Gabriel makes him sound when he's like, I've never kissed a girl on the forehead before, but even when I kiss you on the forehead, uh, but when I kiss you on the forehead, it feels like my heart's going to jump out of my chest. And you're just like, you are a smooth motherfucker. Yep. And yeah. they're about it's to so kiss. Smooth. And they're about to fucking kiss. And then Hongo fucking cop walks. Like, Hongo, Hongo, you hoe. Hongo, why? Don't ruin H this for me. Ha Hong goes immediately, all right, he, she's like, all right, that's it. This is a cock-free zone. <laughs> Hongo, this is why? a no, this is a, Hongo, this is a no-cummy zone. God damn it. <laughs> um, but man, let's, <laughs> Andrew, are you okay? I was drinking. <laughs> Good timing, <Fuck>. good timing. <laughs> Chet, are you okay? Chet, are you okay? I'm okay. <laughs> ah, fuck, that would hurt. Ow. Are you okay? No, I just got it all over my foot. Oh, no. Okay. I need to rephrase that immediately. <laughs> God damn it. 
He got it right on his pants. Oh, man. So let's talk about Avery Smith Hart, performer of the show. Um, I was immediately sold on her as uh, Sonazaki from the second she opened her mouth. She is funny, witty, um, absolutely captivating in this role. I would 100% believe that she was an actual high school girl. Like, I've been that person before. Uh, but, like, there's this emotional resonance that she has where, like, you can tell where she's trying to learn to be someone new and... What the hell was that? A yawn? That was a yawn. Oh, uh, that might have been me, sorry. Um, but... You can try that. You can tell that she's trying to play Sonazaki as Sonazaki's discovering herself. And while Sonazaki doesn't have, like, say, Nina's level of dark or Hongo's level of darkness to her story, she does have another arc that is incredibly poignant. And that is going from somebody who is kind of sexist herself because she she believes that girls like Junjo are loose and slutty mm -hmm. and they have no value. To realizing that, no, they're good people and that I was the one who was wrong. And just her her tears, uh, Avery's performance when she is crying about how Junjo didn't deserve to be kicked out of school. Yep. Or, or no, to be made fun of mm -hmm. for, for having a child, for being pregnant and deciding to keep the baby. Um, is just so, so wonderful. And... And stuff, and and the comedic chops that Avery has too. Like one of my favorite scenes of the show is everyone's like, "Oh, well, who's, what's your favorite scene in No Maiden?" And everyone's like, "Oh, let me guess, it's the fifty pages scene." Actually, my favorite part of Hongo and Amagi's relationship is when she stomps up to him at the festival. Oh yeah, and, that's true. And she she has this Hongo. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sonazaki has a, also a very flowery way of speaking, and I give Avery points for having to read off a lot of scientific terminology. Uh, mm. To do these weird, crazy, elaborate confession scenes, and I, I fucking love that that moment. That is like one of my favorite things in the, the show. And I, I, it's, I, it's I also love, she's adorable. I love how she's spends the entirety of after the confession of trying to hide their relationship, trying to hide it. She's like, okay, let's get everybody hooked up, and we can like hide, and nobody's gonna notice. And then she decides, fuck it, fuck it. I want this. I want you. She makes a whole show about it. She's the one that I, goes on the attack. I, I love her. I love her so much, but I'm done. Okay, so yeah, simply starting out. Uh, good game. Good game. Gabe, Gabe good. Um, he does Gabe a very good. He does a very good job making him sound a little dorky and very sincere, flustered, embarrassed. He means well. He's kind of a dork who jokes about himself, but... He's very serious when it comes to his feelings for Sonazaki, and he's a very good vanilla boy, and God, he's adorable when he's very excited and flustered over her. It's, it is charming, and yeah, no, Gabe did a pretty good job. I was impressed to hear him do this good job. Okay, Avery. I feel like when I was making predictions for, because we're not doing really predictions for this, I think I initially assumed Avery Smithart... I thought she was going to be Nina if she was anybody in this show. Okay. That's who I thought Avery was going to be if she was in this cast. So seeing her as Sonazaki, I was like, that's really interesting. I want to hear her do something kind of like that. Let's hear how it goes. I fucking love it. It is 
the best performance in the show and probably one of the funniest like comedic ladies I've heard in dubs all year. Overly rivaled maybe by like one other show, but holy shit, Avery is bringing all of it to the table. Uh, she is bringing this crazy hyperactive closet horny energy to her and it is genuinely funny. It's adorable, it's dorky, it's awkward, and it's cute as hell. Like, I also think one of my favorite deliveries is when she's going to get the the magazine because she's told that she kind of looks like a model named Erica yeah. and she actually buys one of her magazines to try and, like, kind of get a better idea. She's going to buy it at the counter. It's like, I'd like to purchase this! <gasps> Please, thank you! Yep. And I'm like, oh, God, just... <laughs> <laughs> yes, she says to double back it. Please, thank yep. you. It's just so awkward, but sincere and embarrassed. But also just her reaction to like storming off and being like, I want a report. You're going to give me a report. And he gives it to her, to her. And she's just, she reads it. And she is like kind of dismissive of it at first before she realizes, oh no. All the mean things I've heard said weighed against me. They're getting swept yeah. away in a sea of cute, yep. and it's... It was so it sweet. Is, it is so delightful, and I could talk so much about my favorite Sonazaki scenes. I could talk so much about her relationship. What I really want to focus on that I think is really an underappreciated thing about Sonazaki, we kind of talked about it a little. I think her character arc is kind of one of the most unsung in the show, because mm -hmm. she, she really does start the show out kind of being like this very dismissive, anti-sexual conduct, anti, uh, like, everything. Yeah. Like, to, to the point that she is based, she is, you know all those complaints from P from the PTA where it's like, oh, parents are complaining about students. They're complaining parents about the complaining bonfire about their, and fireworks. The bonfire, their intimacy, Fucking and so then it comes out, oh, Sodazaki was the one that was doing those. Yep. So... <laughs> You find out Sonazaki is very anti-against, like, interaction, sexual intercourse, romantic attachment. She's very judgmental of the other, like, gal girls. She thinks Jujo's just a loose slut at the start of the show, and she's just, like, has... She wants nothing to do with her, even though Jujo's the one kind of making an effort to try and be sincere and try to, like, extend an olive branch. But Sonazaki's having none of that. But then Sonazaki discovers romantic feelings... She discovers a sincere relation, attraction, desire. She understands the opinions of those who want to show off for their significant others, for those who want to enjoy that, for those who have those lives. Like, if I had to describe what Sonazaki is, Sonazaki, very seriously, if she had not found Amagi, if she had not had a friendship with Jujo, Sonozaki would have grown up into a Karen. Oh my god, you're right. Sonozaki was on the path to be a Karen. I... The exact Karen in regards to the types that she is judgment against sexual activity. She hates public displays of affection. She goes up to the supermarket and complains about her coupons not being a thing. And sure as shit, she is the type to complain about not getting a haircut right now. I am not, That's giving, who Sonazaki, I am not giving you the satisfaction of this one. Fucking I, you. <laughs> Do not that say is this about she, my daughter. You fuck off. No, here's the thing. 
She could have been. She could have started on this path of basically sexual, like... I don't care. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> she could have been on this path. She could have been on this path. But she opened her eyes. She got less ignorant. She grew up a little more. She understood that it's okay to have affection. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to be in love. It's okay to show off that you're in love. It's okay. And that doesn't make you a lesser or a looser person. She's well-read, but she's also allowed to be a little giddy, a little bit of a, a hopeless romantic. She's allowed to respect, like, these people who want to show off for their relationships. And I think her, her arc is beautiful. Like, I love, like you were saying, Megan, her, her defending Jujo. I think that's a really powerful moment. And you see how far she has come from this little, like, repressed bookworm to somebody who's a little more open about her feelings, her desires. Like, I think it was, I think it was something Jet said earlier. She goes from pretending to be the group mom to actually being that. And I think that's beautiful. And I think Sonozaki's a wonderful character. And I think Avery Smith art is bar none the best dub performance in the show. Can I just say one other thing besides the, besides the fact that, God damn it, you take too long to talk. Um, can I also just say one of the sweetest moments at the end of the show is mm -hmm. um, we skip ahead, like, basically it's a year later, and Sonozaki is still friends with Jujo. Mm. They're texting over the phone, yeah. It was so adorable. And, and Amagi and her stay together. Yeah. And they're, they're hanging out in college. It's like, oh, he's so sweet. I think they went to, I think they went, I think they both went to the same college. Together. It looks like it, yeah. It's a, but yeah, it was so sweet. Like, Jujo has sent a message. And like we said, because she has the baby, the baby's at least two months by this point. So it has to have been at least been a year. And, and the dad stayed, first of all. So good for you. And second of all, that good was so you, sweet boy. that Sonozaki and Jujo are still friends. It was so cute. I love that. I it love that so, so much. They're best. And yes, I'm sorry I had to slightly insult my daughter for a second, but I felt like it, I needed to say it to make a point that Sonozaki really has grown up and come a long way, and I'm so proud of my daughter. I'm still not giving you the satisfaction that you insulted my daughter. I'm sorry. <laughs> All so right. Jet, are you are you enjoying couples therapy? <laughs> uh, I'll get back to you on that. Oh Jesus Christ! Okay, boy. Speaking of therapy, I mean, I mean, so long as we're not. Oh as God long, damn it! So long as we're not gonna start naming our kids Chrome Shadow Legends. Um, I'm not naming kids Chrome Shadow <laughs> Legends. No, I had to bring that back. I'm not gonna name. I'm not going to name her Sonazaki either. Anyways. <laughs> anyway. So let's talk about... Therapy. <laughs> let's talk about Nina and Momoko. Oh, boy. Nina Sugiwara... Nina Sugiwara and Momoko Sudo. Uh, Momoko is a girl who's a sweetheart. She's adorable. She's a bestie. She also spends the entire show realizing, oh, no... Guys are lame, girls are hot. And Nina Sugiwara is a pretty heartthrob who's trying to kind of learn how to have friends, wants to have a... She kind of kickstarts this thing off as that she wants to have a sexual relationship before she eventually dies. 
And she also was sexually groomed, and that kind of fucked her up for a lot of this. Yeah. It really harmed a lot of how she perceives relationships and sexual intercourse. But she also got Play the satisfying punch of the show, so. She also got the best punch of the show, and it's great. Um, One punch! <laughs> Mom okay, so going into this, Momoko is played by Juliet Simmons, and Nina is played by Natalie Rial. Juliet Simmons has played such characters as Nino Arisugawa from Anonymous Noise, Seer Flover from Don Machi, Kurumi Ebisusawa, aka My Best Shovel Girl from School Live, Mayumi Kurose from Food Wars, and Chio Sakura from Monthly Girls. I was about Nozaki to say, Kun. how dare you if you don't mention Chio? <laughs> I, ha I had to end on that. Good. Natalie. Natalie has played such characters as Rika Ueda from Camphor, Sume Ayado from Real Girl, Hina Ebina from My Team Romantic Comedy Snafu, Tione Hiriute from the Don Machi series, and Rui Tachibana from Domestic Girlfriend. There it is. Jet, start us off. Okay. Uh, I'll start with uh, Juliet Simmons as Momo. I've uh, generally enjoyed what I've heard of her work, and next to Constance's actors, I thought she brought one of the most consistent performances to this dub. Uh, Momo starts off as, you know, kind of being the supportive best friend to Constance and Nina, and uh, Juliet does a very good job of that as he makes Momo seem uh, very sweet and friendly while also being very concerned whenever she sees those two but against with each other, and it's always got a very quick to make peace. <coughs> Uh, but as we get a little deeper into the show, we see that part of the reason why Momo acts so supportive is because uh, for her, keeping things as they are kind of allows her to uh, better ignore the growing realization that um, uh, the growing realization that she's coming to, that realization being that she's a lot more into lilies and snakes, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Uh, watching Juliet kind of switch between being sweet and flustered whenever she's around Nina, and then, you know, very exhausted and cynical whenever she's around Tsukimoto can be as entertaining as it is stressful. Uh, since, well, it's kind of fun to watch her talk on Tsukimoto, uh, you also kind of know that her relationship with Nina isn't quite working out the way she wants it to, and Juliet handles both sides of her characters really well. Uh, out of all the girls, I definitely felt the most sympathetic towards her by the end because, well, she does become fully aware of her own sexuality by the end of the show, it's mostly through her experiencing her first heartbreak. And uh, even though, it, uh, but still, even though it doesn't seem totally plausible, I'd like to believe she and Nina tried dating by the end of the epilogue, fuck you, fight me. Even, here's what it is, even if that doesn't, I'm okay with that too, even if that didn't work out in the long run, I get the feeling that Momo's eventually gonna get a really cute office lady who's kind of a loud, messy drunk, but is very good and gives good cuddles, and yes, I'm writing Momo her own doujin, she fucking deserves it. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of Nina, I guess I have to talk about her, because, oh boy, is there a lot going on with this character. Uh, so at first, Nina just kind of comes off as being the most aloof member of the group, and not only real performance ever reflects that. Uh, she kind of sees that she's on a whole other plane of existence for the other girls, and has this really kind of weird air of mystery about her. Uh, while at the same time being seemingly supportive of Kazuta and Izumi's budding relationship, uh, she kind of does her best to act like she's the most mature member of the group by helping to put the two of them together. Uh, but as Nina spends more time around Izumi, and we see something mystery unravel around Nina a little bit, uh, the answers to those mysteries are uh, kind of disturbing. 
as we mentioned before, we learned that Nita was groomed from a young age by Sagusa. And while he never physically laid his hands on her, he still very much controls her. And her image of how she sees herself sexually. And, I, and in her mind, the only real way to break free of that is by having sex and therefore becoming a quote-unquote adult. Uh, this, of course, kind of makes her growing crush need to be pretty complicated as she uh, tries to seduce him away from Kazusa rather than just confessing her feelings outright. And uh, even as she becomes the borderline antagonist for a while, the show and Natalie's performance still keeps her very sympathetic uh, by showing just how much Ayagusa's influence kind of has and so is dictating a lot of her actions. And it's only when she kind of fails for whatever reason me and realizes that she doesn't actually want to sleep with the Pentaman after all, that she tries to be a little more direct about her feelings. And while that bit of character development happens very quickly, and Natalie doesn't get, a, doesn't get enough performance... Oh, wow. Natalie does get enough with that to make that whole character transition feel very believable. And again, it was definitely uh, very satisfying to hear set up the Pentaman. Uh, from that point on, Nita speaks a lot more frankly, no matter how awkward it makes the other characters around her. And what's going to be equal parts embarrassing and hilarious to see play out, like when she's... <laughs> uh, 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 like when they're all kind of flipping out about uh, Izumi admitting that he's attracted to her, and she's like, oh, <laughs> and she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, when I think all that romantic attraction is the same as sexual attraction, I was kind of, I'm kind of talking on my butt. I was so turned on, like, like I was so turned on when I held her, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> also, can we talk about how much he sucked in that moment? I'm like, dude, why would time you and place? Time and place. Time and place, Izumi. You fucking deserve to get dragged through the mud for that one. You deserve to get. You deserve a kick in the nuts for that. Yeah. For sure. Izumi, there is this thing called tact. You do not have it. Boy, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course. Um... Of course, as we mentioned before, Nita's trust doesn't totally play out, but she at least manages to break free from Pentaman's influence, and by break free, I mean she decks him in the face. Uh, which was nice. Hell yeah! Uh, which was nice, but I kind of wish he got at least a couple more whacks at that. I mean, he, he should have at least got kicked on the nuts. For sure. <laughs> okay, and, it's like, and again, I choose to believe that she's exploring her own sexuality a bit more now with dating Momo, because if there are any characters who needed a happy ending, it's these two. Damn right. Uh, anyway, there was definitely a lot that handled with Nita's character, and uh, not and a lot that could have gone wrong with Natalie's performance. And while, like some of the others in the cast, I didn't think she had a shaky line reader through every now and then. Uh, otherwise, I thought she handled Nita extremely well, and I'm definitely glad to see Natalie getting more work because I've been more, more and more impressed with her the more I've heard of her. So, uh, good mm -hmm. job. Alrighty, Steph. Before I really go and start going too far deep into my thoughts on um, these performances, can I just say episode 10 is just like, <laughs> holy shit. Mm -hmm. um, that episode is just insane. Freaking insane. Like you have, um, what's her face with the teacher at El freaking Love Hotel. Then you have um, Sonozaki and the good boyfriend following them and then you have this whole deal with freaking Nina and then this whole deal with Momo happening. It's just oh my god. It's 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 insane. Absolutely insane. Um I'll start with uh Juliet first, I think, on this one. Uh notes for her. Notes for her. Did I actually have a note? I thought I did. Somewhere. Shoot. 
<laughs> I thought I had notes for her somewhere. No, okay, no, I do. Um, Momo is just so sweet and adorable, and Ju Juliet is just very, very precious. It's like pure sugar is what the voice is, essentially. It's absolutely sweet and sugary, but at the same time, though, it's... Really, at the same time, though, it's just on the surface level because throughout the course of the show, Momo has to deal with her struggles of what her relationships with other people are. Because, uh, as you find out, by the time you get to episode 10, you kind of learn that it's very, very possible that she may actually be gay, or at least bisexual, or some nature, uh, and it's very, very interesting how her character and development kind of goes from there. From going from a sweet, sugar, peppy, beautiful human being to such a very conflicted character, and it really, really does come out when she's on the phone with Nina when, after she meets up with, uh, what's-his-face, um, whatever his name is, and she's touched by him, like, he grabs her arm and she freaks out and calls Nina and is like, I am unclean. I need you to help purify me. Like, this guy touched me. I don't want that. I need you to touch me. I love you. Please touch me and purify me of this filth. And it's just like, it hits you very hard. It really does. And Juliet does a phenomenal job with the progression of the character that by the end of it, she, you, it's... For her, it's a mix of a coming-of-age story, but it's also a, a story of her exploring who she is as a person. As one of the few, probably LGBTQ characters in the whole show, because none of the other characters have anything similar to this. Nina, I think, might be the closest, but we don't really get a confirmation. But no, Julia does so well with all of the beautiful, wonderful, like, sugary energy she has, but that's only on the surface level and then she has all of this complex emotions and these complex feelings about people uh, whether people whether it's love or sexuality or it's just very very interesting and complicated and i really enjoyed juliet's progression and her portrayal throughout the course of the show um natalie real is nina <laughs> that's another interesting one entirely um, because the last time, the last and I think the first time I actually talked about Natalie Rial was as Rui Tachibana in Domestic Girlfriend. Uh, and well, that show is a hot dumpster fire, a trash dumpster fire that I still debate if I enjoy or not. And, um... When I talked about Nina in, not Nina, excuse me, when I talked about Natalie in that show, she was very new to me, and I couldn't quite figure out if I was going to really like her or not, and her character of Rui was very, very stoic and very, I don't want to say somber, that's not the right word, but anyway, 
but at the, the performance that was given was very could be very stiff and stilted at times um, and unfortunately occasionally even flat um, I don't know if that's what the character actually really called for but it's very difficult to judge and especially for the first time I ever had to watch Natalie but going into O Maidens when I first saw Nina Nina is a character that is rather similar to Rui in Domestic Girlfriend. And when I saw that it was Natalie voicing Nina, my brain was like, oh boy, am I going to get another Rui Tachibana or am I going to get something else? And thank God I did get something else. Um, because Natalie is just... She... What's the right way to describe it? Natalie does have give Nina similar personalities to personalities and quirks to Rui. However, again, that's all a surface level thing. Because as the show goes on, Nina has her own self-consciousness and her own worries and she degrades herself so much because of how she was brought up with the theater troupe and Mr. Uh, Mr. Segusa, who's a fucking horrible person, um, where you just feel for this girl because she's just, in a way, she's just, just mentally and psychologically abused to the point where she believes in one thing when it's, it's a completely different thing entirely. She believes that she's only good, her, she's only good for her looks, and her looks are only good as a young, fair maiden. And the second that she grows up, that's going to go away. But that's not the case, and that's something that Natalie, I think, portrays very, very well, wh where she has to come to terms with these facts, and the fact that she is loved, for more than just her looks and it's for her personality and just she's a great human being and I do really like Natalie's portrayal of Nina before this it gives her a lot more depth it gives her a lot more complexity and it just kind of, it just really blew me away there was there was some fun such fun moments with Nina um, though there were also points where I wanted to punch Nina in the face uh, the incident on the train with, um, with Satoshi? I might have the wrong character. The, uh, the, the lead guy. The lead guy that, um, the lead guy that everybody wants to see with the lead girl. Names, characters, I don't remember right now, because I know we're talking about them next. Um, but anyway, I really like Natalie's performance. It gives so much complexity and depth, and... I, you just really feel for this person. It's Nina as a character and Natalie's performance of her is a big step up from when I heard her in Domestic Girlfriend. And I just loved every second of it. So I think both of these performances are wonderful and fantastic and just give you so much complexity and so much more than the sum of the parts. And it's fantastic to me. But, um... Bottom line, if you want to watch Dumpster Fire, go watch Domestic Girlfriend. Otherwise, don't. 
Uh, the domestic girlfriend's a, just a flaming pile of trash. Uh, so if you love your flame pile, flaming piles of trash, go and watch Domestic Girlfriend. <laughs> Otherwise, if you want sweet, wholesome, coming-of-age stuff, please watch Oh Maidens. Have a nice day. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Or go or watch Giguk. Try eat a hot pepper to talk about Domestic Girlfriend. That's also a good time, too. Okay, watch us and only us. We are the only YouTubers on, we promise. So Cartoon Cypher can stay in Soka Narcata and Professor Otaku. Everybody else, bye. Everybody else, yep. bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, Shit. I like that. I like this circle. Megan. I like this circle. Best circle. Our circle. Yes. Yes. Julietta's Momo uh, is adorable. I I really like Momo, probably because I'm also the bisexual in our group. Um, I am attracted to women and men. Um and there are times I look at dudes nowadays and go, why the fuck are we interested in your, on your equipment? Um, but I, one of the things I really want to compliment her is that she does sound youthful and cheery and adorable and she gets the drama across, but when she gets pissed, mm -hmm. it sounds so believable of a girl who's just fed up. Like when she's like, stop calling me Momokins and- Yep. Her heartbreak, God, her heartbreak of like, I want to be purified. It's like, girl, you are gay. Um, you are a lesbian. And I think that she gets that across so well of being kind of like, she does the cutesy thing without being the super high pitch moe girl voice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really good because like the whole besties type voice is really hard to nail in a show that you need exaggeration, but you don't need to be, like, panty and stocking comedy. Or, like, uh, no, that's a better way to do this. You need to be cute, but you don't need to be, like, Nekopara fake cutesy. Mm. Like, this is not a diss on Nekopara, but that's a show that wants to have cute girly voices that appeal to a different demographic than, than Momo does. Where Momo is an actual person with feelings and not a prop. Mm. Um, and Juliet does a really great job of that. And I, I was genuinely on board with her also from the very beginning. I, I thought she was consistently really good. I thought she was consistently cute. I think she got the drama across. She was a, a lot of fun. And I, I like... One of my other dramatic deliveries I like about her is when uh, she and Kazusa are sitting on the steps and she goes let me rephrase the question instead of who would you do if the world was going to end what is it if you had to do uh, me, Mr. Milo or me who would you do yep. and Kazus is like well you're a girl and all and she's like oh okay and then she's like come on besties and she just kind of gets up yes yeah, you hear and you mm -hmm. hear the very defeated tone in her voice because she can't, she doesn't feel like, she kind of can't come out to her friends. Yeah. And that yeah. hurts. And I also live in Jet in the headcanon that she and Nina are dating after the show ends. I want that to be the headcanon. I, I, they're, they're, I, I want that's that my canon too. now that they're dating and that they get married and have happy little lesbian lives with each other away from men and that they both get the therapy they need. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh boy, Nina. Um, I don't think I've ever actually watched something with Natalie as a big character in it before. 
So for me, Natalie is brand new it, to, to like my register. Mm -hmm. um, I thought she was shaky at first, but she grew into her performances, especially towards the last part of the show. Yep. Um, Natalie is amazing in this show at towards the end. Like, where she's talking uh, to things and she's kind of opening up to Momo about like, oh, I've always been acting mature and that kind of... I think there's like this level of like fakeness when she's talking to um, Kazza in the club room and she's like, besties! Uh, but man, let's talk about that train scene. Yeah. If we haven't yet. Train, train. Da, 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 da. Oh shit, I realized something I was supposed to do while Steph was talking and I had a headache. It's all good. Uh -oh. uh, so I'll do it when Andrew's talking instead. Okay. Um, But when she tricks Izumi and basically sexually assaults him. Yep. Uh, she lies about being attacked by a train groper and pulls his hand under her and refuses to let go. And where she's like, it's never got like just how desperate and broken and fearful she sounds while she's lying through her teeth to Izumi that Natalie has to walk this line where if she fucks it up, it, it nukes that entire scene from orbit. Like, that scene loses all of its gut punch if either actor in that scene doesn't nail it. And thankfully, both her and Izumi's actor do. But the delivery of the line where she's like, it's never going to work out. And then as he's leaving and getting on the train, just the, the biting, purposely hurtful dagger of, you are rock hard. Like yep. you, but you were so hard. So hard. It's like, oh. No, I think she says no. I think she says, but you were rock hard. I don't think she said rock hard, but no, she said, she said you were really hard. Yeah, you're really hard. And he just gets on the train, and the door closes, and her delivery of that line, which is so fucked, by the way, it is. It is such a fucked line, because that's a line that like a predator uses. To excuse why he's done that, because oh well, you yep. did you really wanted it because you were aroused, yeah. And God knows if it like she says he hasn't touched Saragusa hasn't touched her, but there's a chance that he said something like that to her. Oh, mm -hmm. totally. And then also her her delivery where she goes and just the uncomfortable kind of noises that she has to make as Saragusa is just like starting to rape her is like oh uh, where he's like brushing his face against her oh I'm just god like, i'm just like mm -hmm. uh, i'm like i, I uh, fucking uh, quit uh, yeah i'm not gonna lie like literally had to walk away from this game for a while yeah what i was hard scene fucking to watch. watch oh man and then she just punches and then oh how she talks about his nose hairs it's like, oh, oh that's gonna hurt. that's gonna come up in therapy. Oh, uh, and she's like, "Who's le your legs are so thin?" Oh God, the whole fucking scene. It is was just so, so fucked. It is so fucking uncomfortable. Like, like I have sat through some pretty violent scenes. Like I've sat through, like I've sat through, like 
Um, I've sat through Shiki, which has some pretty fucking awful, like, child corpses. like Body like, horror, yeah. everything. Body horror. Like, I've sat through that. I've sat through, uh, I'm sitting through Paranoia Agent, and that has some really uncomfortable scenes. Um, oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. I haven't yet. seen nothing yet. I'm only like episode one of that. Like, there's some kind of uncomfortable scenes in, like, Gwepnir episode one that I watched that nothing pales in comparison to just... The nose Nino's, hairs. The, no, Nino's, like, specifically, like, that whole scene, but that shot of him... Holding her Nina by the hips and rubbing his face in her shirt, just starting to lift up. Oh, yeah. And it's just very visceral and very uncomfortable. And I think Natalie and Juliet did a really great job. And especially, I want to really give props to Natalie for this. Just because, again, this is my first time really listening to her act. And, uh, yeah, no, she does great. And uh, I hope that she has a career trajectory as well as her sister. Hmm. I'm just gonna say this because you brought up this is your first your, your introduction to Natalie. Domestic girlfriend is not a good introduction for me for Natalie. So unfortunately, it kind of came into. She's she's also one it. of the hot. She's also one of the hot tan Amazons in Don Machi. It's kind of like a. Haven't watched Don Machi. I haven't watched Don Machi. Domestic girl again. Domestic know, girlfriend is my introduction to Natalie Real. All right, so. Juliet Simmons is delightful in all the things that she is in, but this is an especially impressive role for her because she is basically a sweet girl who's kind of a supportive character for a lot of it. She's a little dorky and cute, and especially when she's like, oh, let's read a book and solve all of our problems, and she's with her bestie, which every time she says besties, it's especially funny because of causes uh, for reasons. Um, but I think it's also you see her kind of get a little more you see a little more of her being like, oh, so this guy, that was kind of lame. My feet are still on the ground and they are not lifted off the ground at all. I'm not impressed. Is he kind of gross and lame? And then he gets grosser and lamer. And it's like, she was always going, here's what it is. I think Momoko, Momo was always going to probably like, maybe go on like a date or two and realize I'm not quite into this. She didn't necessarily need a Sugimoto to make her realize she was gay. But when you're dating so or when you at least hang out with somebody as fucking lame and shitty as Sugimoto. When you hang out with a fuck boy. When you that kind of jump starts the process where you're like, oh Oh, I ain't having any of this. Anyways, Nina, put on some boy clothes. Let's ha let's have more of that, please, and thank you. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I love that line where that. she's like, "Oh God, she's hot as a guy too." That's so not fair. I love that line. <laughs> but also, she's like, "Oh God, girls have such soft skin. Like, is that nice? Is that cool? Like, what's up with that?" But man, episode ten is where it's like, "Oh, she's getting." angry she's getting frustrated she's getting hurt like that scene where she's telling him off it's like oh it's it is all the bite and file that it needs to while also having the hurt and anger and like heartbreak of confessing to nina and god juliet oh my god like juliet can be a little goofy t at times but she's a fantastic dramatic actress too like 
some of the best dramatic work I think I've heard out of her when it comes to Momo. Like, I was kind of really blown away by her work. And Nina. I'm also relatively unfamiliar with Natalie, but holy shit, Nina is a very complicated, broken character. She thinks she's cooler than she is. She thinks she's smarter than she actually is. She's kind of trying to play off the cool act of somebody who really doesn't care. She makes me kind of laugh sometimes. Like, I love when she's also kind of hurt by Kazusa, where it's like, Oh, I didn't want to steal her boyfriends because everybody thinks I'm always trying to steal their boyfriends. She was my friend. And I'm mad at her right now. I'm gonna fuck with her because I'm actually kind of mad at her. I love that where she's like, oh, I'm gonna make things so much worse. And I gotta laugh out of that. Because at that point, she's not actually trying to do anything. She's just trying to, like, push her and, like, basically bully her a little. But then it's like, oh, she's really hurt because Saikus is giving her advice again. She thinks all she is is something to be used and thrown away. And God, the scene with her, with Izumi on the train, it's like, oh man, she is going very aggressive. She's going very predatory. It is hard to watch and the bite, the vile in her tone of voice. It's so disgusting. It's so disheartening when she's grabbing him. And when she says that he's hard. God, that's so good. Also, when she sees Saigusa's there and she says very much under her breath, fucking kidding me? It's like, ooh. Oh, she did say fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was in the sub too. She says fucking kidding me. She does say fuck. Which is weird because sometimes- Hell yeah, Nina. <laughs> but also, it's like, I like how she's honest, and when she's kind of talking to Momo, it's like, hey, what do I usually do right now? I usually kind of blow you off and sound, like, smarter than I think I am, and pretend I know what I'm talking about. What would, what do you think I'd say now? Because I don't know. And also, when she's kind of like, when Izumi says she's attracted to him, sexually, it's like, oh, yeah, I was kind of spouting off bullshit to sound really sharp. Like, when Nina's honest, it's actually kind of delightful. Because you see her, the real her, she's a broken, complicated, fucked up character. And holy shit, Natalie does a lot. I'm really impressed with Natalie, and I think this is a good thing to really feel, feel her. Okay, so let's go into our final group of characters. That is our lead dork and her dorkier, hornier compatriot. That is, uh, that would be, uh, Izumi Norimoto and Kasusa Onodera. Izumi starts the show off with, he's ready to, he, okay. Oh no, I forgot he's, to do the other thing again. You know what, you know what Izumi does? He starts- He starts the show with his pants down. He, he starts it rocking out with his cock out. He rocks out with his cock out. That's how he starts. I'm so mad at myself because I promised before recording that we were- I was gonna do this because of something that Steph said about Nina. What? Which was, uh, we were joking that I, I was supposed to start humming the School Days song. <laughs> the, the, da, 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 because da, because da, you said, da, oh, da, fuck, da, is this going school days? Okay, for context. So I was watching episode 10 and that, that, that scene where um, Nina and 
Izumi are off the train and they're talking to each other about the whole uh, the whole interaction on the train. And um, Nina's like, I mean, Kazusa doesn't know how to do things. Like, if you want, you can test those things on me. And I'm like, I'm having instant school days moments flashbacks right now. I'm like, I go into our little chat and I'm like, I swear to fucking God. If this goes the route of school days right now, and they're like, no, no, it doesn't. Like, it I swear doesn't. To God. Thank God it doesn't. I had, I had flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, the, to yeah, school like, days I think all my little, of a sudden. I think like, my no. little response was no, no one gets shared to the show. Nope. But, there, uh, there's some people that deserve to, but they don't. What the fuck is that? Okay, I don't know who that was. That's actually very appropriately timed. That was. It's not me. It's Megan. Megan, what are you doing? Hold on. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on, actually. God damn it. <laughs> Keep going, bitch! Alright, so you. now it's time no, no, to no, talk. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to this. Okay! Okay. Okay. I'm putting the brakes on this uh, right the like, fuck like, now. Like, okay. It is. We okay. need to move on. Like, okay, we okay. We should stop by virtual grounds. That like this might get a copyright block. So what's that? <laughs> I also that also that outside of the time thing, copyright is kind of a thing. But yes, one of the iconic things in the show is basically uh, Kasusa, who has kind of a childhood crush friendship with this guy next door. She walks in on him masturbating to porn where somebody's getting railed on a train while listening on to the song. No, it was a bus. It was a bus because, oh yeah, right. The wheels on the commuter bus go, oh yes, harder. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's what it was called. Which <laughs> I love that title, by the way. It was great. But yes, no, he, she walks in on her, him. No, she walks in on him jacking off with that music. He just pauses it slightly Pulls his pants up. He's like, hey, how you doing? While the porn is still running. Oh, yeah. He, he pauses the music and not the porn. It's like, why would you pause the music and not the porn? Yep. You, in anyway. that moment, Izumi's brain disconnected. It disconnected. <laughs> so like, in that moment, it's like, yeah, teenager. Teenager fucked up. And yes, train, train. The, 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 it opens train, with the song Train, Train, which is an iconic like Japanese rock song. And it's hilarious. And it's amazing. And it, anyway, we should really talk about fit. it's not going to fit. We should really talk <laughs> about who plays these characters. Um, yes. Kazusa is played by Brittany Karbowski and Izumi is played by Blake Jackson. Blake Jackson. Brittany noises intensifies. Blake Jackson has played <laughs> such characters as Apollo in Danmachi season two. Soji Sato in Food Wars, the third plate. Shinji Watari from Haikyuu, a.k.a. Alba Josai's Libero. Uh, he is... Chigaba Marame from Actors Song Connection, and he is Andromeda Shun from the new Saint Seiya dub. Brittany Karbowski, I, let's face it, you probably know who Brittany Karbowski is. but Brittany noises intensifies. But a couple of key performances she's played are Hisako Arato from Food Wars, Yachi Hitoka from Haikyuu, Sanae Dekomori from Love, Chunibyo, and Other Delusions, Rinatsume from Little Busters, and oh, Yamada shit. from Bigata Kai. Yamada's first time. Jet, please continue and give us your thoughts. Um, okay, so I will start with Blake Jackson and Izumi. 
Um, I'm really, really familiar with his work in Saint Seiya and Shun, but I liked him in that show, and I still like him in that show. I'm in the middle of the sanctuary arc right now. And uh, so I've had a pretty good impression of him as an actor so far. Uh, that said, I was kind of mixed on his performance here in the beginning. Uh, putting it this way might sound a little condescending, especially since I don't know exactly what kind of acting work he was doing before he started working with Sentai. Uh, but the way he acts kind of sounds a lot closer to what I'd expect from a stage actor than a voice actor. And by that I mean he kind of projects his voice a lot and there's this kind of very dramatic tone to his voice that kind of makes it sound like he's on stage doing a play. Uh, there's nothing particularly wrong with that since there's plenty of voice actors who started doing anime work who... I mean, since there's really voice actors doing anime work who kind of started off on the stage. And that, that definitely worked very well for him in St. Seiya since that's a very over-dramatized show with very 80s. Uh, but stage acting and voice acting kind of require very different skill sets, and the latter often kind of call for something a little more on the natural side, which I didn't quite get from Blake's performance in the beginning. Uh, considering Izumi is kind of one of the more down-to-earth characters in the cast, and uh, which considering how eccentric a lot of the characters are in this show, you kind of very much needed that. Uh, I thought it was maybe a little off-putting at first, but the further we got into the dub, the more I felt Blake kind of eased into the performance a bit and kind of sounded a little more laid back. And by the time we got to the end of the show, I thought he sounded pretty believable as a very awkward teenager. Especially the bit we mentioned before where he nearly ruins everything by telling Kazuza to her face and he was turned on by Nina. And uh, that whole sequence is just kind of a mess. And uh, I, I... You fucked up. Yep, uh, you messed up real big there, boy. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, I also really like how well he played off of Britney's Kazusa, and while again I didn't think he sounded a little over-dramatized in the beginning, I liked a lot of his line reads when the two of them started dating and Izumi was desperately trying, was desperately trying to figure out the best way to approach things. I like when they were sitting on the couch, he was like, oh god, am I head sweaty? Oh god, when he thinks I'm gross, I was like, okay, that's like, very believable, I thought it was handled very well, that's pretty funny. Uh, not a perfect performance, but it definitely wouldn't be over by the end. And I'm so more than eager to see Blake and more stuff, so yeah, give him more roles. Well, I mean, okay, well, I mean, I say that, but uh, he literally just got cast in a lead role today, so cool. More on that in the future, <laughs> wink, wink, Yay! nudge, nudge. Yeah, and uh, now for the woman, the myth, the legend, one Brittany Garbowski and his and a performance here as Kazuza. I'll be honest to say that when I was making up my ideal cast list for this show, I actually wanted Brittany as Nina. Uh, not because I didn't think Brittany could play Kazusa, but because it was a little too easy to imagine in my head. And since I knew Brittany could probably handle Nina as he's done quiet characters before, even if she isn't like, necessarily known for that, I thought that might have been a little more interesting. And so what happened happened and she's here as Kazusa. Uh, but that works out because now that I've heard the performance, I can safely say I can't imagine anyone else playing her. Uh, right off the bat, there's this perfect teen dork energy to Britney's Kazusa that makes her immediately likable. And it's super relatable as she kind of fumbles between puberty and awakening to the world of sex. Uh, Kazusa's actual awakening is pretty awkward to say the least, since um, as we mentioned before, um, she has that awakening through she has an awakening through uh casting he's been masturbating and the whole train train sequence was so pretty hilarious. And I really love the and I really love the way Britney handles a lot of Kazusa's over the over the top reaction to things like picking out lingerie or realizing that she has a crush on her childhood friend and uh, the way she handles that delivery can be as hilarious as it is relatable. And since it's kind of hard not to recall similar teen experiences while watching a lot of her antics. 
Now, speaking of said experiences, her crush on Itami and her constantly comparing herself to Nina in order to avoid confessing is a teen experience I've definitely had before. And while I can't say I ever handled things as maturely as she did, but in a bit, I thought that, you know, the concept of gradually realized that she couldn't hide her feelings forever since it would be just as unfair to Nina as herself uh, was pretty good. And I thought that Brittany made that bit of growth come off very naturally. And it's kind of hard not to be proud of how much Kata matures over the course of the show. Uh, she never truly grows out of her awkwardness, though, because let's face it, no one ever really does. And no matter how much you're a face she might try to put up later on, she can only hold it but so much. It's just a dream debate where, like, it's just a dream debate where Nina comes to her and says that she wants to confess to Izumi. And, and, and like, at a first concept, she's okay with it because she knows it needs to happen for everyone to move on. And then immediately, literally the very next scene, she's running through the street screaming because she's like, what did I just do? <laughs> I love that part. Again, Britney noises intensifies. <laughs> yeah, that whole bit just had me rolling. Um, so uh, whether it's being awkward, funny, or dramatic, Britney nails every aspect of Constance's character down to a T. And uh, personally for me, I uh, personally for me, this was kind of my favorite performance of the dub. I mean, like her and Amy like are very close, but this adds out a little more for me. Uh, I've said it, I mean, it might have seemed like a very safe casting choice, but as, as, as I've said on some other episodes, sometimes safe can be good, and in this case, I'm kind of glad Kyle went the safe route, because Brittany really knocked this one out of the park. Great job. Mm-hmm. Steph. Uh, stop dropping things, first of all. Um, no! No! <laughs> Um, I'm actually also going to start with Blake Jackson because I have never heard of Blake Jackson before in my life until today. Uh, so my opinion is going to be probably a little bit different. Uh, so, <laughs> Izumi, first of all. Izumi is this adorable dork. He's another adorable dork similar to Amagi. However, unlike Amagi, we do learn... <laughs> That he is exploring things sexually, um, <laughs> through masturbation, of course, with, uh, the ever, the best, the best porn in the world, uh, on buses. Uh, what was that fucking title again? Uh, the, the, the wheels on the cum, C-U-M-M, U-er bus go, oh yes, harder. <laughs> Which that is like my favorite translation thing in this entire fucking thing. But translation of this show is really good. Yes. Thanks, Katarina. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you much. But um, <sighs> Izumi is adorable and dorky and so funny to watch. Um, especially I wrote I wrote this note very early on that he's just. He's so embarrassed and it's cute. And this is from episode two after Kazusa discovers that he does think about some things like sex. Um, <laughs> he's just so embarrassed trying to get her to like keep it on the down low and things like that because because his childhood friend just fucking walked on him, walked in on him while he was masturbating. Like it, it was so funny and he was so adorable when he was embarrassed. Blake is Blake. I think is very. <sighs> We're almost there. You can do I know, it. I know. I'm trying. I'm getting there. 
We're all train trained. <laughs> at least this is at least this isn't the Comardi episode right now. Um and we're not at the tail end of it at almost like one o'clock in the morning. Um Not with that attitude. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Love you. And also please, yes. Um Please, yes, never again. I had to I had to listen to that shit <laughs> at one in the morning and yell at Andrew to shut the fuck up because I have neighbors. <laughs> um oh. anyway. <sighs> oh my god. <sighs> Come on, home stretch, stop the yawning. I'm trying, I'm trying. Um Can I make you can I can I help you wake up stuff? How? Go ahead. Uh I just wanna just uh he put his hands down his pants so Kazuza would feel nuts. Yes, he's Sisko. Yes, he's Fever. And she's getting two thumbs up. Oh my god. <laughs> Did you just make a fucking Sisko and Eber reference? Oh do you not know that song? Oh my god. Andrew, do you not know that song? Oh shit. What? Oh my god, you've never heard Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang. What? What? Okay, hold on. Hold on. Okay, you know that stuff. You know that song. Jet, do you know that song? Uh, I know nothing about music, so no. Okay. How do you both not know Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang? Uh, because I I wasn't really allowed to listen to quote-unquote whirly music growing up, so... Okay, do you want to- okay, side awkward tangent. Do you want to know the most awkward time I ever heard that song in my life? Was it at a funeral? No. No. Okay, so- Alright, so two- my Uncle Terry is gay and has a, a, a loving partner named Tom. And one year, we went up to um, New York for, I think, like one of my cousin's weddings. And then we had to stay a week because another cousin I had- in the same side of the family was getting <laughs> this was fun we need to move on okay but let me quickly finish the story so uh basically i was driving in the car with my mom with one of my uncles and their playlist was on and this song came on oh god and i looked at my uncle and smiled and then looked away <laughs> and he like i knew every fucking word of that song in high school that's amazing go ahead steph uh, I don't even know where I was in this conversation. <laughs> Brittany noises? No, I was on, I think I was on Blake still, actually. Blake I think noises. you're still on Blake. God, yeah. fuck. Yeah, this is definitely gonna be a little over three, fuck. <sighs> God, I need to stop yawning. Um, so yeah, this is my introduction to Blake Jackson. Um, and in the beginning, it, it also took a little bit for me to, like, a like adjust because I'd never heard this actor before in my life and I didn't know what to expect from him. Uh, but as the show was going on, he was he was so adorable and such a dork, it was great. But I also wrote this note down and I think Blake is like Blake to me was a breath of fresh air. I don't know why I wrote that down. Like it was just something there was just something nice about it that was just so different, and it just probably out of the boys, it was one of the more among like a breath of fresh air, cause like boys in high school do think about things like relationships and sex, 
you're gonna run into that. If there's, if there's a girl in high school, boys are gonna think about that shit too. Um, but Isumi, being the innocent goober that he is, doesn't realize that girls think about it too. <laughs> like he, and he has to come to the realization that Kazusa is thinking of him in that way as well. So it's very interesting, like that growth and development of his character coming to realize I do like, I do love my childhood friend as this i do love her and i think the sweetest thing for me with blake and his performance is when he it's when he and kazusa fight in the school on the last episode and he's like i realized that i can't think of you that way i i can't right now but i love you and i love you and i want to be able to get to that point with you, it's just gonna take some time. Like, I want to be comfortable with you, I want you to know that I care about you, and I don't want to rush things. And it was just so sweet and adorable. <laughs> and it's... I don't know if Andrew will agree with me. It's slightly rem- like, it's slightly reminiscent and to an extent of our own relationship. Mm. To an extent. A little does bit. Make, does that make Roots and me Sonazaki and Amagi? Yes. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, yes. look, I want to say I'm not Izumi because Izumi's kind of a fuck up. I can 120% agree Roots is 100% Amagi. Absolutely. So what you're saying is it, is Steph's going to walk in on you one day with your hands down, jacking it to vanilla hentai and Faku? Let's face it; it's bound to happen someday. I'll I'll just be, I'll just be like, look. Eventually, the relationship will reach a point. Be like, hey, babe, check out this art. Isn't it dope? <laughs> it's eventually gonna get to that point. Um, but no, like legit. I think there are similar beats and moments in that relationship that kind of echo ours to an extent. Maybe that's why I was invested in it a bit more. Because um, I could totally, I could relate to it. Also, quick tangent, A-plus to a show that has the childhood friends win, that's yes. always a plus one for me. Yes. Um, but yeah, Blake, I liked his performance as easy me. It took a little bit to get into, uh, but by the end of it, I did enjoy it very much. Britney screams intensifies. Britney noises intensifies. Oh, God. <laughs> Britney, I would think she would probably have moments where I would almost undoubtedly believe she might have lost her voice <laughs> from all of the screaming that Kazusa does <laughs> in the show. Ah, oh, sweet, sweet lord. Kazusa is, an is also an adorable dork. And... I love every second that Brittany is on screen because Kazusa is also trying to figure out her feelings and the fact that she does love Izumi. Like, this childhood friend that she grew up with, she does love him now. And, like, if, again, the question in the beginning that they passed, they passed around in the club is, like, if it was the end of the world, who would you want to do it with? And that was kind of, like the point that initiated, like, I like Izumi, I would do it with him. So, Kazusa has to go through this entire thing, coming to terms with her own feelings, and her own idea of relationship, and an idea of, an, of a sexual relationship, too. Because she's like, 
oh, Izumi would want to do something like that, I should let him do something like that, but in reality, when the two of them get together, Izumi's just like, I don't want to ruin this. I don't want to ruin this for you. So I'd rather, because I care about you so much, I'd rather take it slow. So it's going to be, so in the end it turns like into like being awkward and weird about it. But it's like, it's a good awkward and weird because they're just new to the relationship and they're trying to figure out what that means to each other. Um, so I do like have all those points uh, for that interaction. But dear sweet lord, Brittany has such a fun energy. She She's amazing energy. She's just this spitfire and this like, oh my god, she's just screaming and panicking so much. Every time she's panicking about something sexual, she's like, read a book, read a book. And in my read head- Read a motherfucking book. I said that right with, with Andrew. Whenever she would freaking out about a book, I'm like, read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book. Read a motherfucking book. <laughs> like every time. Because she was getting to the point where she was learning about love and relationships from books. Because that was where she got her like- answers from it was kind of adorable but yeah Brittany I mean I'm kind of in the same camp that she may have been the same choice like Jed was saying but like I also loved every second of it because she brought this manic energy to her and just it was just downright fun so kudos to Brittany all right Megan (gasps) let's talk about uh Blake correct is his name yes Blake yes uh, so yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with Jet that at first Blake was a little unsteady, maybe a little unused to it, but I think he grew into it at, at in time, and actually I was genuinely impressed by his performance. Um, this is someone, again, I'm not super familiar with, uh, and based off of the cast announcement we got today, I'm a little bit more assured now that uh, I've heard him in something, but the character he is going to be playing the lead in a show in is very different. Mm. Um from Izumi. And Jet can attest to that because Jet's actually finished that show and I haven't. Um, but uh, I think he does a good job of being the dorky dumb guy and like I said when I was talking about Nina, um, the fact that he has to walk the other end of that scene where she puts her, where she forces herself on him and tells him he got hard and he's that phone call to Kazuza where he's just like, I just wanted to say I love you. Because he's doesn't know how to, to, to comprehend in that moment um, that he got a boner for another girl that wasn't his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he feels like you can hear the guilt in his voice. Yep. yep. And also where, where he climbs into the building, he's like, ah! And then, and then they, and then he's like, yeah, I was attracted. I'm sexually attracted to Nina, but I'm romantically attracted to Kazuza. And he fucks up, but that it leads to that such that beautiful delivery, like Steph was saying, where he's like, "Yeah, I I love her. Um, I love you, and I want to take it slow, and I don't want to do it. And also, when I love when Kazuza's trying to be like, I want to do it, and she's wearing the sexy like she's like." Trying to kiss him, he's like, your nostrils are really big. And he's kind of this dumb boy, and I I really like the stuff where he's feeling guilty the best. Like, where he won't hold hands with her in the neighborhood because people are going to get the wrong idea. Mm. And it's coming off of him being assaulted by Nina. 
And so Blake did a really good job leaving a good first impression on me. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, Miss Karbowski. Britney uh, noises intensifies. Britney noises intensify. Uh, she's great. She is, again, the safe choice as Kazuza, but honestly, like, I don't think I could hear anybody else be Kazuza at this point. Like, she nailed it from the sa- the second one. Um, I love when she's being dramatic and stuff, and uh, oh, I forgot to mention this line where, when we were talking about Momoko, uh, Momoki, I love when they're walking through the halls before the, um, the school festival, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's just like, ah, oh, the smell of youth is making me dizzy, and Momoki just goes, Kasa, that's not the smell of youth, that's paint thinner! <laughs> I like that it. is my favorite that is my favorite line in the show. Um yep. And just uh I love when she's like where she's like oh I do forgive you. It's okay. You can tell him how you feel and she's like why did I say that? Why did she's I She's so that? bad. Like why the fuck did I say that? Say that. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> so Brittany does a really great job. And at this point like I expect good things from Brittany whenever she opens her mouth. She hasn't delivered a bad performance, in my opinion, in years. Um, so, yeah, no, really strong, solid casting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting with Blake. Blake is a really interesting choice for Izumi, and I think in the end it really paid off in a big way. He's got to play this kind of, like, very cool guy who's a little unsure of himself and you get to see him play off of a lot of different people in the show specifically with Kazusa and especially with Nina because Nina's a very interesting foil to him that also helps him realize things about himself and his own relationship desires that he never would have otherwise because he didn't even realize Kazusa had a crush on her till Nina was like wait you didn't know that? He's like, wait, what? She does? And she just starts laughing. It's like, holy shit. You're actually a lot more dense and cute than I thought you were. <laughs> but you see him kind of being this awkward, like, strange hormonal teenager who's trying to combat these urges and desires while also still kind of holding on to those childhood obsessions of being really into, like, specific kinds of, like, model trains, which is also a sweet thing, too. But also hiding his porn in Totoro anime DVDs, which is especially- <laughs> Why would you do that to Botaro? God damn it. Miyazaki Miyazaki did not retire for the twelfth time for you to do this. <laughs> anime was a mistake. God but yeah, no, like Blake does a really good job selling like the awkwardness, the uncomfortable, like insecurity, the vulnerability. The charming cuteness, the kind of suave moments when he gets to be honest and kind of smooth. And also when he's just a fucking big old dork. And also when he's just put in a corner in a really uncomfortable situation, the guilt. Like, Blake's got a lot to show off with Izumi, and I think by the end of it, he really shows it off really well. And Brittany Karbowski, holy shit, the level of noises that this girl makes. And also, I'm cracking up every time she hugs Momoko and says besties, because all <laughs> I think of is Rimuru Tempest, where she's like, besties for resties. Oh my god. That's all that pops through my head when she says besties. And like, there's a lot of great lines she has, but I think my personal favorite is, Oh my god, there's a hole in this one, and it's right where the goods are! 
Yep. I'm like, oh my god. Like, all of her friends are basically having, like, the worst night of their lives, and she's there shopping for underwear. She's like, oh, fuck, there's a hole in this one. <laughs> but also, like, the amount of squealy, awkward, sensual, sexual noises this girl's gotta make, it's uncomfortable, it's funny, it's dorky, it's sweet, it's charming, it's innocent, it's vulnerable, it's raw, it's honest, it's- I love when she scissors apart the scanty undies. Oh god. I gotta shred the evidence! Smaller, 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 it's like, oh god. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. You can feel it. Like, Brittany gets a lot of interesting, uncomfortable, raw, funny, serious sexual dramas. And I think this is one of the funnier ones, maybe compared to, like, this is much more, I brought up Yamada's first time because it's very similar to me to something like Yamada's first time, in a sense. Mm -hmm. But, God Brittany Karbowski noises as Kazusa, as this innocent little goober who actually got the childhood friend. She's delightful and wonderful, and she's a good girl. And at the end of the day, it finally fit. God damn it. <laughs> and I love that that's, I love that the way they end it, where it's just yeah, her saying, I do it too. fit. I'm like, ooh, that it says so much. Then it ends on what? <laughs> her say, her going through the train and her saying under her breath, it fit. Yes. I love that. And I also love this show. Let's talk about it. Final thoughts. Check. Go, go, go. Um, yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, this is a really, really good show. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of media about puberty. It's kind of a dime a dozen thing, but you definitely don't see a lot of shows about puberty from the female perspective. And I think this... And I really like the way this show portrays it. I think it does it. In, I think it does things in a very interesting way. Um, I've liked a lot of. I've liked a lot of Mario Kato's work up until this point. But even with that in mind, this is uh, this is definitely up there as one of her best things. I really like this show. Uh, as for the dub, it's a little rough around the edges in places. And as we said before, uh, Wesley's performance as Hayagusa is kind of a really low point. Uh, but everyone else here sounds really solid about the whole I think the ensemble is pretty good. So if you wanted to check out the show in English, I'd say um, it definitely has a very solid adaptation. All right, Steph. Uh, I'm going to piggyback basically off of Jet with everything he just said. This show is fun, and Jet is correct. There are There's very few stories in media and entertainment about puberty and and sex from a teenage girl's perspective. Generally, a lot of it's from a male perspective. Um, and if when it is a female perspective, it's not in the greatest light, um, nine times out of 10. So first of all, thank you, Mario Kata, for writing this story. It took me fucking back to high school, basically. God damn it. <laughs> um, but this story is so, I want to call it wholesome, but it's not. <laughs> it it, it is and it isn't. It is, but it isn't, right? It's, but anyway, um, this is a really good show and a fun story. And you, if you're a fan of Mario Kata's work, you will absolutely love this. Um, in terms of the dub itself, I think it's very solid. Um, there are there are the few weak points. There are some stilted line reads and performances and. <laughs> there are a couple jarring moments while I understand the reasoning. They're still jarring to me. Um, 
But despite that, it's true to the source material. It's true to what the show is trying to be and what the and what the story is. And that's the most important part is understanding the story, what the story is going for, and understanding how to portray that to an English audience. And I think they did an, a fantastic job in that regard. And the performances are just so much fun. They really are. And again, Sonozaki is my goddamn daughter. Fuck you, fight me. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, it's a fun, fun show. Great job. Fantastic job. Very solid. I loved it. <sighs> Let's do this. Um, yeah, no, as somebody who was really interested in watching the show last year and just didn't get around to it because of reasons, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe it'll get a dog. Uh, let me just wait for that. Uh, I'm really happy I watched this. The show has its issues. Um, I do wish that they had explored uh, Momo a little bit more mm -hmm. and given more validity to her sexuality. Uh, but honestly, like, that aside, the show's really, really interesting to watch. Um, it's uncomfortable, it's hilarious, it's heartfelt, and the dub is pretty, is actually pretty good. I think this is probably one of my f more well-liked Sentai, um, put-outs of the last couple years. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely have some dubby radar material in here. Uh, is it rough around the edges in some parts? Yeah, there is one performance, like, like I said, I don't think ever got me in any way and didn't really work for me. And kind of only got across because of the visual aspect of it. Um, I would absolutely 100% pick this up uh, on DVD. Like, this is a show that, like, if... Even if you don't buy it at full price, if Sentai puts this on sale, fucking buy it. Uh, this is honestly one of my favorite romantic anime now. Yeah. Like, easily in my top five. Mm. So, so 100% recommendation. And the dub is really well put together to go with it. I've been excited to do this episode for a while. I knew this was going to be a pretty meaty discussion. There's a, even with a small, relatively concise cast, there's a lot of meat to dig into. This is a very juicy show in a, man, saying juicy sounds very inappropriate when you're talking about a show like Oh Maiden's Fuck. God damn it. Okay, jokes aside. This, there's a lot going on here. I'm a big admirer of Mar Mario Kata's work. Not everyone's going to be a slam dunk, but I was extremely compelled and impressed with this one. There's a lot going on when it talks about, like, sexuality, intimacy, people g growing up, like, finding that strive, who they become at with this experience. Do they become better people? Do they become worse people? Do they become, like, how it treats them? Like, I love, by the end of the show... I was in love with all five of these girls. Yep. Like, oh, absolutely. Same. Absolutely. The the finale of the show is so cathartic, and I adore the symbolism of, like, the entire show and the whole thing about the club is that they are pure maidens. Pure maidens, white as snow. And then by the end of it, as they've seen the, their true colors, found out, explored who they are, what they want, who they are. They stage a fucking rebellion against the fucking sexist school pigs. It was amazing. They put up the signs being like, um, like Amagi and Sonazaki were wronged. What's wrong with intimacy? Freedom. Fuck this. Fuck the system. And all of them. Tyranny. All of the, all of the five pure white maidens 
are covered in color. I feel like that's also, sorry to, I think that's also in a greater sense, like, stop putting the expectation that girls aren't, like, horny. Yes. And that girls aren't, like, and that girls who are overtly horny are, like, dirty and stuff. Everyone's got color on them. This show challenges that. Here's the thing. Jujo as a character is a great example of this. Mm-hmm. Like, you're challenging the expectation of the stereotypical gal girl with Jujo. That's a great example. And just, like, even, like, these pure girls who think they don't want, like, nobody's pure. Everybody thinks about it. If you don't think you're thinking about it, you are lying and suppressing mm-hmm. your own urges. Yep. The- or your ace, which is completely valid That as is well. also valid, though. Also valid, too. This is also valid, true. Though as far as I think what the thesis of the show is particularly going for, that is what it's trying to say. There is nothing wrong with that. The purity is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And in reality, I was so delighted with the entire experience of watching these maidens fucking rebel. And it was so cool. I love that finale. I love this dub. I think it is not a perfect dub. There's a couple of rough patches. I never got into one performance, but a couple of ones that started out rough really grew on me by the end. And when this dub is good, it's really good. I legitimately think like Avery Smith art is a straight, straight up standout for the year right now. I was that impressed and admired her as Sonozaki that much. I love these characters. I love the show. It is totally worth your time. If you would like to watch Obedience in your Savage Season, uh, dubbed or sub, depending on your preference, both are wonderful. You can watch it over on High Dive and or the Ver- High Dive extension channel on Verve. If you would like to pick this up on physical, it will be released on Blu-ray on July 28th. Which is literally the day before my birthday, and I find that very funny. I really love the show. You should check it out, too. And I would like to share my love and admiration to you guys for doing this with me, because I've really wanted to do this for a while. Thank you. Yay. Thank you, You know who should also show love and admiration, too? Are you talking about our patrons? Fuck yeah. Yeah, bitch! Let's share the love with all of you fucks who support us financially. To B. Morris, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazone, and Nika Robin, but with yaoi hands, you guys are dope. Carly Lesticow, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Julia W., and Marissa Lenti, we love you lost. You are besties. You Uh, should probably tell them what this whole patron thing is about. Yes, I should. If you would like to support us, if you would like to get inside information about upcoming episodes, if you would like to participate in episode submissions and po- and polls, if you would like to hear news updates, if you'd like to hear early previews of audio and clips, or if you want to be part of our patron's choice every three or so months, you can literally give us an episode suggestion that you want within reason within reason we do still have guidelines we're not just gonna it's give you like a 1200 episode if you'd like to support us if you'd like to tell us to watch things please check out us on dub talk podcast patreon that's a thing you can check out if you'd like to support us uh if you would like to check us out on youtube we're on youtube at dub talk podcast we also have an audio audio rss feed on podbean you can check out too if you'd like to download these episodes digitally on the go 
As for where else you can find us, you can find us over on Twitter. You can find us on Twitch. You can find us on Instagram and Tumblr, even though we really don't use those. Twitter and Twitch are the big ones for sure. Mm -hmm. Ah, Please tell us where the people of the internet can go find you, lovely people. Hello, Jet. my nobody is yeah. saying anything. Hello, my name is Stephanie. Uh, I'm also known as Lilac sometimes, and you can find me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E V U E. I also have a blog that is in dire need of updating. If you want to hear random things from me, um, Life and Times WordPress.com. I also date that idiot over that host, that stupid host idiot over there. So, Hi, I'm the idiot. Yep, you're the big idiot. Jet. Uh, hi, I'm Jet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Divine Dig, where I'll usually uh, be talking about cartoons or stuff, I guess. Uh, you can also sometimes find me on my blog, I'm Ace Infinity, where I will occasionally write things. And uh, you can also find me on Podcast ONA uh, alongside Andrew here, where we'll usually be talking about anime news. Expect one of those in the coming weeks, where there will apparently be news and stuff soon. Anyways. Yay! Uh, Megan. Hi, you can follow me at Quinira too, where I shitpost talk about how much I love my boyfriend and my cat. And before I hand things back to Andrew, because I missed this when I was talking about uh, Izumi, I was one time reading a doujin that involved trains. And the top comment on it was, there's a criminal lack of multi-track drifting in this. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Fuck. That's amazing. Uh, train, train. Da 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 da. Train, train. Anyway, da, 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 da. and who the fuck are you, Andrew? Uh, I am Andrew, aka Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at MangaMan9000. My other joint, as it said with my buddy Jet here, we do podcast ONA on Surreal Resolution. Uh, we're buddies. We talk about anime news and the state of industries and all the fun things going on. It's a wild, crazy world out right now, but honestly, I'm really glad I could talk about this one with you, and I could share this with you. This was a lot of fun. This was a really fun discussion. Really interesting. Really wild. <sighs> okay, I think I'm. I think I'm ready to call it a night. I'm As my frequent reminder on these episodes that I've been on lately, please stay safe, stay healthy, wash your fucking hands, you dirty heathens. <laughs> you may you may be dirty, boys and girls, but you shouldn't be third. You shouldn't be dirty, boys and girls. That was a horrible joke, and you should feel bad. Oh, believe me. I don't. I don't. Anyway. <laughs> I'm tired now. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, otaku on my friends, and... Train, train, da 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 I was just thinking that train, train. All right, everybody, this train is coming into the station to let off all of its passengers. Uh, Good night! Uh, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs>